Oh, I'm freaking pumped. I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. Oh, yeah. nice. God, I go to church every goddamn Sunday. You gonna bring the demons out of me? Oh, there you go, you got him. Not with the trash can, please. No, 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 no. You know, trash! All right, let's get him off. Okay, 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 okay. 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 No, 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 This is my hat now. This is totally my hat. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is uh, one of your hosts, Neo, and uh, joining me always is Solbro and Chris. I- I'd like to offer you some uh, salt and bread for this uh, for this episode. Will you guys accept? <laughs> yeah, I-, I-, I totally uh, trust you completely. And uh, <laughs> even though. <laughs> Rings of Casimir in the background is one of my favorite songs. I love it. Yes, that. yes. Uh, and, and I don't know if Solbro knew, knew, knew about that yet because yet he is not uh, caught up uh, to date with uh, Baby Dragons, even though <laughs> half the world that wasn't watching Baby I, Dragons a week ago is already caught up. <laughs> yeah, I need to go to the bathroom. The doors are locked. Uh, well, you know, you just have to wait. Wait, wait, wait till the band ends. <laughs> The band stops playing. <laughs> hey, how come you're wearing chainmail underneath your uh, your shirt there? Well, you never know when a fight might break out because you know you got drunk people. So it's just I just wanted to make sure that uh, everybody was uh, you know I, I didn't get hurt if uh, if a fight broke out. So okay. I'm just gonna go drink some more mead and not pay attention to my surroundings at all. Okay, okay, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy. Thank you. We want you to drink and enjoy yourself. It's today's a big day. It's episode 125 of Gundam. So uh, in this episode, uh, we're gonna be doing a review of an older show, uh, Fang of the Sun Dugram. We're going to be doing the 75-episode show along with uh, the compilation OVA. And Chris, are we going to just briefly mention the two little short features too? Just, sure. Uh, why not, right? And in uh, their second topic is going to be our fiscal second quarter uh, mailback cleanup. Uh, we got a little backed up, I think, especially on the voicemail end. So we're going to be blowing through a lot of your questions uh, through the mailbag there. So, hmm. guys, uh, anything before we go into the news? This wine is delicious. Oh, man. You're I, very I really much... feel like right on my feet now. You're, 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 you're... Oh, good, good, good. Have more. Have more. I don't okay. drink. I don't drink because I, I like to keep a clear head before I kill you. I mean, I I'll, just I'll, like I... to keep... <laughs> I'll drink. I'll drink your portion for you. Okay, sure. Here you go. <laughs> drink up. It, it's a great day today, Chris. So just drink, yes. just drink up. No problem. You're, you're, you're awesome, man. You're cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we're gonna have a little encore of uh, the the, the uh, of the band playing. You know. <laughs> so, uh, all right, Solbro. Anything before uh, before we move into the news? I'm solid, man. I'm ready to rock. Front. Nothing. Everything, everything's good. All 
right, so now we're going to be going to some NEOS listener submitted news articles and coming from the NEOS listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum and coming out of the Sir or the Lord King, Larry King Memorial Newsroom. You are the king! You are the king! It's your, your host, Neo, and uh, first one here, and I like the way that uh, Mr. Silver August has uh, put his post here, and I think this, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dictate this now, all survey news should follow this format. I like it, because he has explanation points, and it says, survey news alert. I like this. <laughs> If I could get if I could get those little uh, notifications on my iPhone for sur survey news alerts, <laughs> maybe I should create an app anytime he's talked about on the internet. So, but yes, the first one here is uh, from Mr. Silver August, and this comes from Sabertron, the correct way of saying the uh, the Transformers planet. Oh no! Oh, he's now. They've now announced a Chinese actress, Li Bingbing, is going to be in the new Transformers 4 movie, which will destroy um, many childhoods next year. <laughs> so uh, she's, uh, she's uh, let's, let's, let's see here. She's, uh, she joins Mark Wahlberg, Stanley Tucci, Kelsey Grammer, Jack Renner, Nicole Peltz, and Sophia Miles in the fourth installment. So of uh which gets released uh june 27th oh man almost a year from now june 27th 2014 so um mark your calendars because that's where most people's childhoods will die you know what would make this movie awesome what's that if mark Wahlberg was playing the exact same character from the other guys Oh, oh my God! You know, nah. it, you know, it'd make it even better. Go ahead. If they, I, if they brought in uh, the Rock and, uh, and Sam <laughs> Jackson, Sam oh. yeah. they're the they're the new uh, they're the new section. What was it? Section seven. Uh, <laughs> 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 I would make I, it I, even I, better. And when it comes to Mark Wahlberg, I would love him to be playing Dingham in this in this movie instead. <laughs> Dingham from um from The Departed. Oh, that'd be awesome too. Oh my that, God! I would lose that, my that, shit. His first sentence of dialogue would make it an R-rated movie. It would, right? <laughs> yes. yes, so, uh, of course, we do know that portions of Transformers 4, the, the, fall, the fall of childhoods across the, uh, across the globe, that's the, that's the uh, sub, subtitle of it, the fall of childhoods, the killing of childhoods, mm -hmm. uh, uh, is going to be um, set in China. So uh, definitely uh, check that out. And, and thank you, Mr. Sir Silver August, for your survey news alert. And I do, and like I said, I want everybody to follow this format. I like this. Makes it easy for me when I uh, am scrolling down here. So next one here comes from, ooh, Bent Noir, Evil Australian. <laughs> and uh, he's got a link here to io9. And there is, oh, man, there's a sneak peek inside some of Guillermo del Toro's kaiju killing machines. So there's uh, definitely some a lot of screen caps of the different things that are going on with the pilots and the robots themselves. So uh, definitely check that out. So hey, good hey stuff. Neo, um, I haven't checked my calendar recently, but is the apocalypse still canceled? Today we are canceling the apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> I, last time I checked my calendar was Friday afternoon before I left work, and yes, it was it was still canceled. Okay, uh, I don't. I, I paid for it, but I just want to make sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know uh, we'll probably if if we do get any updates, probably Monday when uh, everybody's back to work. So definitely, um, I, I, but I'll keep you posted if if it uh, if it's back on if the apocalypse is back on. I'll definitely let you guys know. 
So nice. But nice. For, as of right now, the apocalypse is canceled. So thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Oh, man, the foul sorceress. Why do you got to do this to me? Oh, hey, this is coming from NewScientist.com. There's now these self-aiming rope, uh, rifles that are turning novices into expert snipers. And it's kind of a cool, it's a cool looking gun. And, and Mr. Foul Sorceress here says, and these are the guns the robots will use to kill us all. Yes, they will. Because- <laughs> I mean, come on. You, you, you really want a self-aiming gun? It's going to have Wi-Fi connection and everything like that? No. 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 <laughs> well, you, you, you mentioned that, and I should uh, mention a mm. post that was made on, on Facebook by our friend Daniel Mason. Oh, yes. And it's a series of photos with uh, Roombas. The first one has yeah. a, uh, a, like a kitchen knife taped to it. Oh, um, the second picture is a, um, a handgun taped to it. The third picture is like an M16. And then the, the next picture after that is a, uh, a chainsaw. And the, and the last picture is Ron Burgundy saying, Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. <laughs> so that's, that's the weapon of the future right there. The Roomba, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like the bug. It's... it's going to be like the bug from f91 so see um, no you know what i think of when i think of of the future the the retro 80 future that never was mm-hmm. those creepy robot spiders from that tom Selleck movie oh yeah i know what you're my, i know yeah, that one run, away. run away run that's away that's it yeah oh. gene simmons oh, <laughs> i'm sure his acting was horrible it probably yes but those <laughs> robot spiders were creepy as hell yeah they oh, were shit. creepy oh my god a roomba with a freaking kitchen knife on it and then he goes up to it uh oh my gosh chainsaw. a chainsaw god that's that's making me it's making me rethink the decision of buying one of those things but <laughs> that's top tier nightmare for now, you now with that chainsaw though would ash have one of those in his house yeah he probably would <laughs> I, I mean, just chainsaws I, I, everywhere just chainsaws everywhere makes it easy to go from room to room it just it wouldn't you wouldn't really need the um um you wouldn't really need the infrared thing on it to when it goes into a wall; it just goes right through the wall. And it would, <laughs> no and it, and it would uh, be possessed hmm? by the Necronomicon. Oh, all right. Next, next article here. This is becoming <laughs> too much here. Thank you, Mister Falsworcers, for scaring the crap out of me with uh, oh, self-aiming guns that will that have Wi-Fi connections. Bad move. Bad move. Ben Noir has got a uh, another submission here from the anime news network and it looks like uh the lagrange anime has a energy drink that's become a reality what <laughs> yeah there's a uh i guess there's uh the kamagawa energy drink from lagrange is now uh is now a reality and uh there it, it's debuted june 1st at the kamagawa sea fest event and they're they're only planning limited batches of 50 cases with uh about eight Eight ounce bottles, so yeah, definitely check that. Yeah, they're they're for and pretty low price, just two bucks uh, U.S. for everyone. So, and uh, they're going to be taking some orders. So definitely mm. check that out. I, it doesn't say anything about how it tastes, so I don't know. <laughs> but thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Next one here tastes comes like anime. Oh, oh, what, what does anime taste like? <laughs> I don't think you want to know. I don't. If it tastes like it, if it tastes like some of those convention smell, oh, oh no. 
Man, but um, thank you, Mr. Vamp Noir, for your submission. Next one here comes from Rodimus76, and he posts, posts up the latest trailer on Geek Tyrant for The Wolverine. And it says here that it's the best trailer yet. And I did see this, and it, it is, it is I, I am got some got some good hope coming for the uh, for, for Bub's new movie. So, Bub's. Bub. <laughs> so, uh, you guys seen this? Excited? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's pretty good. I like how um it starts out with uh, I guess he's having a nightmare about killing Jean. Um no, it's not even a nightmare. Well, it's it is a nightmare. He wakes up and then she's next to him and then um she uh, tells him that uh he can't. Pretty much she reminds him that he he uh he killed her basically as uh he sees that her claw his claws are in her or some something like that and then it goes from there and it seems seems like uh, the movie's heart is in the right place. So I'm I'm hoping it's far better than X Men Origins. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess anything could be better than that movie, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Chris, what about you? I, what do you think? Anything? Any thoughts, or do you just don't care at this point? You know, so far the trailers for Wolverine have not impressed me that much. The one that I think was the the best made was the Japanese trailer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's been way better than all of the American trailers up to now. Maybe because it has like more ninjas and stuff in it. Yeah. I, I I'm a little concerned, and uh, I, hopefully this doesn't take away from your news later on. But um, but don't uh, say it. Well, well, yeah, I mean, let me go through the news. It, it's, it's <laughs> also, then I'll forget what it is and won't even say it. But just, I, just write it down. Make uh, a note. Make oh, a note. All right, all right, all right. Uh, fine. You know what? I, I'm I'm a news <laughs> professional. I'll go back uh-huh. to you at the end of the at the end of this at the end of the news segment. It's about first class, but I'll, I'll say okay. I'll say no more. Yeah, uh, I, not, I not first class, but days of future past. That's what it's cause, about. Because you know how I do uh, mm-hmm. I do the news, so I don't know what's coming up. So. <laughs> I don't want you to take it away from one of these uh, hardworking posters out there. Oh, so right thank on. you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Mm-hmm. And I will get back with you, Chris. Or I mean, I'm sorry, Solbro. I will get back with you. Indeed. Uh, and that's how we do it as a um, as newscasters. Right Next on. one here comes from uh, Rodimus, or actually comes from uh, Vent Noir again. Mm-hmm. And it's coming about, it's from io9. It talks about, I guess, old Guillermo del Toro is hinting about possibly some um some future uh sequels to pacific rim so we'll definitely uh, that that'll be kind of interesting so well, where's he gonna find the time <laughs> unless he's producing them because like, that man's that man's work uh catalog is booked up to like 2020 well, so he's just saying here that he, he mm-hmm. wants to explore a sequel and just kind of go from there i mean there's nothing really stating his quote here is his his uh you know he he basically was quoted saying that he's just going to explore the sequel and 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 kind of go from there. It, nothing's set in stone. So and I mean I I would imagine something like this would be probably two three years hmm. from today from you know from uh, from now. So but you know definitely uh, definitely some interesting stuff. So uh, thank you, Mr. Vent Noir. Next one here comes from Doc Tord, and I just, I'm going to kill this at the beginning. I know, and everyone knows, there's going to be Xbox One news, and I know everybody's shocked, whatever. I'm just going to say, we're not really going to discuss it here, and if you don't like what you see, vote with your wallet. That's what I would say. So thank you, Mr. Doc Tord, for your submission, but um, I'm not going to really do anything with uh, <laughs> Xbox One news. Uh, on you sure you don't open that can of worms? Let's go. No. <laughs> I, I got the can opener. No. And I will, I will uh, chop your, I will do, uh, I will chop your hand off. I'll make you, <laughs> you I'll make you a uh, Kingslayer. Nice. Chop your hand off. Nice. But um, no. And like I said, the best way to hurt Microsoft is vote with your wallet. 
Internet activism doesn't work. Uh, monetary activism does. Uh, next one here is from Rodimus76, and this is coming from the Gundam Guy blog. And Chris, I know you're excited about this. There is a new preview video oh, for, man. get this, oh man, Mobile Suit Gundam Age Memory of Eden. Chris, how excited are you? Yay. <laughs> Did, you Yay. Did you see? Did you see the age and, you know, Z-Hard and, and uh, Asano? Uh, no, no I, I did not. Oh, man. Looks good. Looks I would, good. I would rather if there was if it was an OVA with Osimo, that would be different. Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and since <laughs> so uh, here, Blu-ray DVD, July 26th. So mark that on your calendar, Chris. I know it's already there. It's, uh, it's probably right under the fact that the apocalypse is canceled, correct? I think I'd rather have the apocalypse be rescheduled. <laughs> <laughs> Apocalypse. <laughs> Bring it on. Apocalypse is back on, baby. All right. Uh, so thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, uh, for your submission. Next one here comes from Wilder, and it looks like at the Anime Expo, uh, Gundam Unicorn director Kasahiro Furuhashi is going to be uh, is is going to be um, doing a panel or going to be doing an interview there. So uh, they, they announced that uh, he's going to be the guest of honor at the July uh, for July fourth through seventh event. And uh, so yeah, I'll definitely have to go try to get an interview with him. Or hell something. yes. So uh, but yeah, so that'll be cool. So thank you, Mister uh, Wielder, for your submission. Oh, man. Vent Noir, he's got another link here. There's a little featurette about Pacific Rim and how the two-pilot system works, so definitely check that out. One of the very original ideas that have grown from this movie is the way the two pilots and the computer interact is through what we've come to call the drift. We tried to come up with ways of showing that that was original. In order for the two bodies to be able to act as one, they need to share memories, instincts, or fighting styles and be able to become essentially one. You're fused with the machine. It's pretty fantastic, actually. I, I, I love that uh, featurette. Uh, it, 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 it does explain a lot on that and um, just makes raises my, um, raises my hype for the movie, man. It's going to be great. Yeah, yep. Definitely will be good stuff. Uh, next one here comes from Rodimus76, and this is from NukeTheFridge.com. <gasps> the Mouse King, the Mouse Overlord, has announced a new Star Wars animated series. Oh, man. <laughs> so it's going to be called Star Wars Rebels, and it's going to premiere in the fall of 2014 as the one-hour special airing on the Disney Channel. Are you guys just marking your calendars for this or are you just like oh, whatever <laughs> i am marking my calendars if same only here because uh greg weissman is involved that's oh. the sole reason that is the sole reason why i cannot wait to see this and this will pretty much be the first installment with anything with uh, the mouse uh, mouse king's involvement with star wars so i'm sure that that's going to uh, do a lot of excitement there too so uh, all, all i know is greg weissman is a glutton for punishment because he's yet again working for disney <laughs> 
that. <laughs> they haven't treated them all too well, but um, I, I really, it's Star Wars, so it can't fail. Uh, as far as I could, I could tell you, and I, I, I certainly hope he gets to do what he wants to do with the series because he's an excellent showrunner. I, I, I was glad to hear that he was involved. All right. Well, you heard it first. Solbro says it's Star Wars, so it can't fail. So it should fail. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Uh, next one here is from Vent Noir, and he talks. He's got a little link to an article on IO9 about. Remember, uh, remember a couple episodes ago where he talked. Uh, we were talking about that really racist mask that that old um, that old 80s cartoon, mm-hmm. and they had like some very racist uh, um, episode. He's talking about now. There's. <laughs> There's, they're, they're talking about the power. Remember the time that the Power Rangers battled a Rastafarian monkey monster? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So uh, wow, some hilarity in there. So definitely uh, check that out. Uh, next one here is from Tochiro, and there's some images of um, the. There's another key of cockpit visual image of the that uh, VF one uh, S. Uh, that that life size cockpit that they're going to have uh, for I forget what uh, it's one of their conventions or something like that in Japan. Mm-hmm. Oh, and um, so yeah, definitely check. Oh, the Mac Macross the museum. Museum. Yep. Yeah, there you go. So definitely not too much there. It's just a it's just a little couple of little visuals and so not much on there. So uh, thank you, Mister Tochiro, for your submission. Uh, next one here comes from. Oh, Vent Noir's uh, got one here talking about how Valvery the Liberator Saki gets is getting her own manga series. So I know that I know a lot of people are watching Valvery the Liberator. So if uh, Saki's one of your favorite characters in this show, then well, she's getting her own uh, manga series, and it's going to be in the monthly comic Denki Dio magazine. So. Uh, it's going to uh, have debut in the July issue, so definitely look for that. Oh, next one here is coming from Wielder, and he has some uh, some posts here. It looks like uh, Sunrise is going to be bringing some more Bandai Entertainment to other distributors. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one here is from uh, the Fandom Post, and it uh, looks like... Uh, uh, Nosy Entertainment's just announced uh, Gundam Unicorn. They're going to be bringing that over. Oh, nice. There's, uh, of course, there's a lot of discussion about bringing Cowboy Bebop over uh, in a Blu-ray release format. And here are, um, let's see, next one here. Funimation and Sentai are also in talks with ban- uh, some of the Bandai Entertainment uh, titles. And I don't say anything about Funimation, but just Funimation. <laughs> You can be sure Funimation is on top of everything. Uh, it yes. <laughs> uh, and also in one of these articles here, uh, at the Anime Boston 2013 event, it was announced when the second episode of Code Geass, Akito the Exile, will be released in Japan. And it's going to be released this summer. Oh, right. So, uh, yeah, so we'll be reviewing that shortly. So, Chris, do you uh, have any other... Uh, any other um, news on some of this stuff here? Because Mr. Wilder posted this May 25th. So has there been anything else that's come out since then? Um, Zaku did it. Zaku did it. Okay. Indeed. No problem. <laughs> no problem. I didn't know if there was any announcements that might have been uh, that might have happened. But yeah, so that's that's good. At least get, there's a chance we'll be getting some of those uh, those titles. Be able to buy. Oh, some. and also uh, Lelouch was in the the cart. Oh yeah, he was, wasn't he? He was. He was the, driving yeah. the cart. He was driving the cart. Yeah, 
you know. You finally admit it. <laughs> finally admitted it. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, right. And Spike walked away. <laughs> he did, right? <laughs> What's a million bullets and, and sword sword cuts in you? <laughs> he just walked right back to the bebop and slept it off. And New Gundam flew away, too. Sweet. Oh, it did? Huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Amro and Shar, they retired in Hawaii. <laughs> well, well, thank you for that. Next one here comes from Rodimus76, and um, it's from the Geek Tyrant. And Oh, man, you know that Ninja Turtles movie that's going to kill everybody's childhood after? It's gonna, I think that one kills everybody's childhoods before uh, Transformers 4. Mm-hmm. It, it pre-raped my childhood before it was even made. There you go. Yes. Well, it's been um, kind of release that Whoopi Goldberg is joining the Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, yeah, I heard yeah, about that. There you go. Yeah. yeah. She's uh, she's been recently spotted in a lot of the on the set of uh the filming of the movie. Mm-hmm. And people are uh, upset about that too because uh she's playing a female version of a male version of uh of uh Burn Thompson, the, the I guess April O'Neil's boss at Channel Six News was a dude in the cartoon where they're they're going and making her female and calling her Bernadette Thompson and having uh Whoopi Goldberg players. So so people have lost their yeah, effing minds right now about that. And it's like, really? Really? Yeah, that's something that, to get upset about? <laughs> yeah, that, that's never worked changing the gender of, of a character, right? And yeah, I mean... Starbucks. If they don't like that, they're not going to like the new Man of Steel movie. Uh, Jimmy Olsen's a girl in that movie. It's Jenny Olsen. So uh, oh. suck it. <laughs> it's, it's never worked. So My life just... is ruined. It's not accurate to the source material. It's not, it's not to the letter. <laughs> 616 for life. Oh, oh my god. He's a future past. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh wow, I I, I yeah. Well, uh, I can't believe people. Well, I can. I mean, it's the internet. People get outraged about everything. So. Of course. Of course. Yes. Uh so thank you, Mr. Rodimus 76 uh for your submission. Oh, speaking of outrage, uh, Mechton GM gives us a tra- <laughs> uh, a uh a link to uh, the Mecha Guy blog, and there's some Transformers Four alternate forms have been revealed. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I'm sure these will all be hated. And mm-hmm. I'd seen you mean, these. You mean sloppy pieces of metal alternate forms? Yes, sloppy pieces of metal alternate forms. Yes. Sweet. Yeah, they, they've updated Optimus. Uh, he's a he's a different he's a different type of truck. A L- little bit more. Uh, it looks like he can live a sleeker look to him. There looks like there's a Bugatti Veyron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw that. So uh, I think it's a cha- uh, Charger and um, and Hound looks like he's going to be joining the uh, Autobots and he looks like some type of military vehicle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. So more outrage. So as you're out as you're out being outraged about what. Goldberg joining Ninja Turtles. Um, now you can be outraged about some of the Transformers for alternate military forms. vehicle America. F- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mechton GM, for your submission. Oh, the next one here comes from Rodimus 76. And all it is, I'm not even going to talk too much about this because it, he just has a link to the first trailer to Machete Kills, Ooh. which would be an amazing movie. Cannot wait. <laughs> Trains to kill. Left for dead. Back for more. 
taco time. Yeah, the trailer looks awesome, man. I saw it when I, when I went to go see, uh, God, I forget what movie it was, but uh, we went to go see a movie and they showed it right at the very beginning. The very first trailer they show and they, they have an intro with Danny Trejo who's there talking in Spanish, like the entire intro. And then they let the movie rip and you're seeing things like, um, what was it, Charlie Sheen? It's now uh, going by his, 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 going by his government? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Introducing Carlos Estevez. I'm the president of the United States, man. Go kick some ass. That's awesome. The freaking uh, the the cast of this movie is just absolutely ridiculous. Dude, when they shoot Machete down from being hung. And it's William Sadler, man, because he's had a great year. And uh, to see that he's in Machete Kills also just warmed my heart. And then um he gets a call from the president and they shoot him down from being hung in the jail cell. Sure ain't the governor. <laughs> It's the president. Of course, Mr. President. And then Machete picks up the phone like like nothing happened. This machete. And, and he takes his orders from the president because he's machete, yeah, man. Machete. It's another day at the office, man. <laughs> Although I will say it's 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 uh, warning to the wise. If you're a pervert, don't try to cop a feel on Sofia Vergara. Oh man, you'll get yeah. your hands shot off. You're in for a nasty <laughs> surprise. Machete! <laughs> Those nipples are erect for a reason. <laughs> He's, he's Mexican Superman. Hell yes. Oh, God. it's I, And I'm just hoping, I'm hoping the Admirals. Is that like Italian Spider-Man? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Mexican Superman. You make a great point. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, uh, for your submission. And God bless uh, Danny Trejo. Yes. <laughs> God bless Robert Rodriguez. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Oh man, Rider seventy six comes back with he had good news and then he's got just robot apocalypse news. Oh man, this is your from, favorite coming from the geek logie and oh man, there's a robot that anticipates human action and it does what you're going to do for you. That's not good. So, uh, when are we going to learn the Skynet program? Pretty much. I mean, what are what are, the, what are these scientists going to learn? Haven't they watched the tomes? Don't they know this <laughs> stuff? I mean, wasn't science fiction what got all these guys into science in the first yes. place? Now mm-hmm. they want us to have robots that uh, anticipate movements of humans. And No, no. We've seen how this works. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for keeping me up at night. Next one here is uh, from Vent Noir, and um, it's, he's got a link here where Guillermo del Toro actually goes inside the heads of Pacific Rim's uh, Jagers. Actually, literally. So uh, there's there's a little featurette about uh, some of the things uh, about the cockpits and everything like that. We rig the entire sets to vibrate, to shake, to give you the real perspective of what it would be to be inside that robot. Every movie has to have a portion of analog practical effects to really convey the sense of physical reality of the film. Speaking of Del Toro, some, some extra news. Oh, okay. Ooh, go wait, 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 wait. Breaking news. Breaking news. We are now uh, joined Chris Guanche and the Miami News Bureau for this breaking update about uh, Guillermo del Toro. Chris. There's a video where he talks about some of the anime influences on him, like uh, Akira and whatnot, and he mentions the anime that uh, he has raised his daughters on, and Uh-oh. he name checks Pat Lieber. Hey, you've probably had a lot of time to reflect on that recently, right? Yeah, no, I, but the thing is, uh, then I grew up uh, with the anime. As it became more sophisticated, I grew up with it. You know, I was right there on the revival of the big adult anime internationally, you know, in the 80s and 90s. I was right there in the theater when they played Akira, 
I was in the theater when they played Ghost in the Shell. Uh, you know, followed Mamoru Oshii, followed the, you know, uh, every anime booming back then, you know, Cowboy Bebop, Trigon, all of that. And I, and I, and I raised my daughters, uh, uh, when my wife and I loved Miyazaki earlier than Miyazaki becoming popular, and we raised our daughters with anime. And we still watch anime together. And my daughter, my, both my daughters and my wife are in love with robots. They see a robot and it's like a beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> they go, mm, mm, mm. Look at that robot's butt. And what do they get to Gypsy Danger? Gypsy Danger, they go, mm, mm. Yes. He's, he's a pretty sadly guy. He's a, but they like it and, and, I, and my daughter uh, has a crush on all the fat labor robots. They say for me as a, as a parent. How old are your daughters? 16 and 12. <laughs> So the 16-year-old shows up with a 25-foot, 25-story high robot. I'm okay. <laughs> oh yes, the the man knows his stuff. Yeah. Nice. nice. Well, it's it's kind of obvious. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, it's obvious, but just the fact that he went the extra yeah. mile to specifically name check Pat Labor, oh, which man. people who are probably even like, what what the hell the frick is a Pat Labor? We need to sit down with that dude and have him on Gundam, man. Damn. Got to get Dalo in the case, man. Get, get the whip on Dalo. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, he does. He does need. We do, we do need to speak to him. And man, wouldn't that be cool? If, uh, Pacific Rim's a huge success, and maybe down the road we could have maybe a Pat Labor movie. Oh, <laughs> that would be fun. That would that would be is, amazing. Is, that, is this a transition to Hopers and Dreamers? Oh so, man, so, this works uh, perfect. For that. You, you tossing the mic? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just I, I I was just. It's not even a hope or a dream. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, maybe something that he could possibly think Sounds of. Sounds pretty hopey and dreamy to me. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I know how I feel about those things. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was, Chris is ready I to pounce. I wasn't. I was not saying anything more than that. I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, could be the possibility. Hey, mm-hmm. hey there's a possibility the, uh, the apocalypse is canceled tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. uh, or reinstated. So we just don't know. But thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Uh, next one here. Uh, comes from oh Bat Noir again. Um, the Gunbuster manga is gonna has ended. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, it's coming from the uh, Anime News Network, and it reported that the manga adaptation of Aim for the Top Gunbuster uh, will end in the July issue of Katakawa Shoten's Young Ace magazine. So um, they'll be they wrapping. Have a Gunbuster up. manga and Ava manga both ending at a, like the exact same time. Are they both done by uh, Sadamoto? Or, well, no, I don't think Sadamoto did the designs in Gunbuster. So, but that's really cool. I didn't even know they had a manga for Gunbuster. That's awesome. Well, you, you I need to get on that. You, you I, don't, don't, don't Young hey. Ace. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because I, I, I can understand why it probably never got published here. But the Ava manga got published here and I bought every volume that's come out. So um, to find out that there was a Gunbuster manga, I, I'm interested in picking it up so I can read that too. So that's good stuff. Yep, yep. There you go. So, um, thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Uh, oh, man. Rodimus76 is coming with some bla- He's coming with some uh, robot tomes oh. uh, news. Looks like uh, Blade Runner 2 has got a screenwriter. And this is coming mm-hmm. from the Geek Tyrant. And uh, Ridley Scott has hired Michael Green to write the script. He's one of the writers that worked on Green Lantern. <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> okay. So is that a good thing? Chris, uh, I, I, I hear from the tone of your okay that uh, <laughs> something needs to be said about this. So uh, I, I pass this over to Chris. Uh, Chaos Theater listeners will know how much of a devotee I am of everything Philip K. Dick, in particular Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Green Lantern screenwriter should not touch anything ever again. Oh, <laughs> ever. Damn. Can the brother just get one bad movie? <laughs> Damn, I mean, you, not mm-hmm. even the asylum should hire them. Oh shit! God dang, not, not even the asylum. I'm going, I'm going all scorched earth here. Oh my god! <laughs> so you got that. Why does there need to be a Blade Runner too? And you know, honestly, after the horrible train wreck that was Prometheus, I don't oh, want to yeah. see any Damn. other old Ridley Scott movies get sequels. Yeah, the right. only thing that could make this worse is. Um, you know, if after this Green Lantern screenwriter does his draft, the news comes in, Damon Lindelof to do a rewrite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Because then I'll start flipping tables. <laughs> <laughs> tables will be flipped. I'm looking at his, uh, I'm looking at his re- uh, resume on uh, IMDb. He's apparently working on a screenplay for The Flash. Um, the oh, I'm sure it's going to be just man. as awesome as Green Lantern. He wrote for he wrote for Heroes. He wrote for Everwood and Smallville. Oh, Heroes, even better. Oh boy, he wrote for a show I actually enjoyed called Kings with Ian McShane. Ian, Ian, Ian McShane, and I thought that show was really good. But uh, outside of that, I, I haven't seen too much of what he's done. But yeah, if I was just to judge it off of Green Lantern, nah, son. <laughs> Like, have, why, why, why are you doing this to us, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Ridley Scott? <laughs> <laughs> like Chris said, first you don't I, you, you don't need a Blade Runner two, and then secondly you're gonna get you're gonna give the guy that wrote uh, Green Lantern. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is just it's got double fail written all over it, man. Man, oh, no good, no good. So, thank you, Mister Rodimus seventy six for. <laughs> What kind of dialogue would Harrison Ford have in this movie? Oh God, can you imagine? I can't wait for the I, I, I can't wait for the mumbling. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Unicorn existential crisis. Riveting. <laughs> Nexus. Tears and rain. Why am I here? I just need to check. Get out just of shame, house. shame. We can't do. We can't. We can't have Rutger Hauer back. That's 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 the biggest shame there. He's um, seen. He's seen mm, things. Hey man, yeah. he saw the sea ble- the sea beams glittering. That's right. <laughs> he saw a, a tech ships on fire off the shoulders of Orion. <laughs> that he did. That he did. So uh, thank you, Mr. Rodman, seventy six for that, and no thank you, Ridley Scott. <laughs> Next one here comes from Vet Noir going to the Anime News Network, and there's just a link to the uh, Gundam Breaker PS3 Games uh, second TV spot. They're streaming that on there. So uh, that, uh, that the, the Mecha Rouster for this game includes, hmm, I didn't think it would be in there, but it is, the RX-78-2. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good thing. Chris's favorite, uh, the Strike Freedom. Uh, the Double O, the Zaku 2 from Mobile Suit Gundam, the Sasabi from Shars Counterattack, the Shinanju from Unicorn, mm-hmm. the God Gundam, or um, what was it, Burning Gundam? <laughs> 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 A Cartoon Network, uh, the Gundam Astray Red Frame, 
the Sun Suzuawa from Double O and the Unicorn Destroyer Mode from Mobile Suit Gundam UC. The mm. game is planning to ship on June 27th. So, um, and they're also going to release the game for the PS Vita later this year. So uh, definitely check that out. Some cool stuff there. Um, next one here is from Bent Noir again. Man, he must have had a ton of internet time in the prison this week. <laughs> all he's doing is posting stuff. I mean, he I mean, traded all of his smokes for internet time. Yeah, must, exactly. Um, this is coming from newsarama.com and the, there's going to be a Pacific Rim graphic novel that organically leads to the film. So, yes, I'm going to have to go and buy this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Topic shop. <laughs> I, well, I get... Mm-hmm. It's, uh, the release date is July 12th, so I got a little time here. But it's going to be a 112-page hardcover published by Legendary Comics, Legendary's Comic Book Division. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be distributed by Marvel. And it's called Pacific Rim Tales from Year Zero. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a little bit of a prequel showing um, uh, the human-piloted Jaegers fighting the kaiju and stuff like that. So, wow. this is, And it's also got an interview here with the, I think this guy's the writer. Travis Beecham. He's the writer of the, of the movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, check that out. So, guys, you getting kind of excited? I think I'm going to have to buy that. I'm going to have to mark, yeah. mark something on my calendar. I, I got to think. Apocalypse is still canceled. On July 12th, so. If it's not out yet, if, if, if that's the case, I'll definitely have to pick this book up quickly because I'd love to check this out before seeing the movie. There you go. You've heard it first from Soulbro. I want the whole experience, man. <laughs> Fully immersed in Pacific Rim, man, and then um, I will watch Atlantic Rim just before it, so I can, uh, I can, I can, I can purge. <laughs> um, I can purge myself before I go see the the the, the real deal. The real right, deal. right. And uh, thank you, Mister Vent Noir, for this. And Arbiter Gundam has got a very disturbing article here that he links. I'm not going to give I'm not going to give too much about this, but it's titled "It's on Discovery.com" and it says why humans love robots, and I call them traitors. And it's it's going to be talking about how people are obsessed with robots. I'm obsessed with killing them. And uh, so I'm not going to read this. But uh, thank you, Mr. Arbiter Gundam, for your submission (laughs) there. Um, And then Ben Noir has a link to io9 talking about the first mind-controlled exoskeleton. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's got a virtual reality interface and um, you know stuff like that. So maybe that's what we'll need to kill the robots when they rise up to try to kill us. So thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Uh, next one here comes from uh, Rodimus76, and it's from the Geek Tyrant and uh, Josh Whedon. You guys have heard of him, right? No, never heard of the man. Makes movies. Well, it says <laughs> that they're intending to make Avengers 2 with Robert Downey Jr. Hmm. Quote here, he says, he is Iron Man. He is Iron Man in the way that Sean Connery was James Bond. I have no intention of making Avengers 2 without him, nor do I think I'll be called upon to do that. I don't, I don't think it's in my interest, Marvel's interest or his interest, and I think everything will be fine. But I know this is Hollywood, and you roll with things. You have to be ready for the unexpected, unquote. And uh, I guess because there's speculation if he's going to be in this movie, because isn't his contract with uh, Marvel, didn't it, didn't it uh, expire once he made Iron Man 3? Iron Man 3, yeah. yeah it's, yes. it's pretty much he's a free agent now. So uh, they're going to have to really, really cater his, uh, 
his asking price if they want all the money presses. <laughs> Pretty much. He wants all the back end too. <laughs> Holy he, shit. He, he wants to be Woo. Tony Stark after this. He wants to have Tony Stark's bank account oh after uh, after this. So, be, he um, will be a billionaire once once by the time Avengers two rolls around. That 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 I can. I mean, just from the back end and the merchandising. Um, of deals and whatever, whatever he gets, man. I don't, think, I don't think it's that high, but man, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> once again, Solbro, he'll be a billionaire. Hey, he'll so. be close. He'll be <laughs> Resi- residuals and DVD hey, sales. He, made, he made at least fifty million off of the Avengers, mm-hmm. and so far, Iron Man three has made one point two billion dollars worldwide. So he's probably made at least that much more. And that's a front. And uh, the, I know he's getting backhand, and I know he's getting a cut of the. Uh, um, when it comes to um, the the merchandise and stuff like that too, so and uh, when it at the end of the day, it's got to add up to a lot. Yeah, but a billion's a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's 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 quite a bit. True. So, uh, um, but yeah, so it looks like uh, Robert Downey Jr. should be in Avengers, but like like you said, you just never know. Uh, next one here comes from uh, Kon seventy three, and he's got a YouTube video that it says he says here. Uh, Ghost in the Shell Section 9 is powered by Microsoft. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's some uh, shameless product plugging um, oh, in, the, in this video. <laughs> oh, my God. The Surface? Oh, come on. <laughs> Damn it. It always seemed like Section 9 was able to do stuff online. Um, I didn't know they were powered by Microsoft, but I guess they are. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. Do they Ms. use Windows Phone? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I just escaped that shit. <laughs> now Ghost in the Shell is pulling me back in. No, I don't want to see that nonsense. Oh thank well, Mister K on seventy three for your submission, and uh, thank you everyone for uh, your submissions to Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread. And if you ever have articles there, uh, just post them in the thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And now I will go back to Solpro. Solbro, what what were you going to talk about earlier? Oh, I don't uh, think uh, I, don't I don't think, think it came it, up. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't think it came up. So you see how I do this? Well, yeah, you know, I see, see, I how, see I how you do it, sir. Back to you, Solbro. What what what, what were you going to spoil before we transition out of the news? Right. Um, uh, Wolverine and the X Men. Uh, 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 someone had joked about uh, that being the next movie coming out. Of course, I'm referring to day, Days of Future Past. Um, it was funny. Um, Patrick Stewart was at a convention just uh, this week. And he had mentioned that he just came from the set of filming his scenes in Days of Future Past and that uh, a lot of the cast members from the previous X-Men movies are coming back to do uh, scenes in the film, uh, which, of course, we already knew from all the all the all the information dropping. But uh, he had actually dropped a a pretty crucial piece of information that um, Hugh Jackman would be there filming for the movie from the point that he left, which I guess was last week sometime up until the end of the summer. So he's. It looks like he's going to be in a, a Hugh Jackman uh, as Wolverine is going to be in a huge portion of the movie. So um, people are starting to get afraid that the next X Men movie is going to be another Wolverine and the X Men, as they're calling it, like uh, the previous X Men movies were, where it was mostly about Wolverine and the X Men came second. So um, it's just a concern of mine. I, I know it's Brian Singer directing the film, and I'm hoping that it this film will end up being an ensemble piece like uh, First Class was. Because it's written, still written by the people who wrote First Class. But since Brian Singer's directing it, you know he might change a few things up to to give uh, Hugh Jackman more screen time. So I like Hugh Jackman, but I, I'm I'm afraid it's going to be uh, more in the line of the X Men movies. And I, I liked what was done in First Class, and I don't want to see that get upstaged again. So that's so, what I was going to so bring up. So your issue is 
probably one of the most popular Marvel characters yeah. is going to get a little bit more screen time. Which, which, financially, which financially makes sense. But, I mean, he's already, Wolverine's already got a movie coming out this year. And I'd love to see his involvement in an X-Men movie, but I do want to see... Hell, I'll be honest with you. I would like to see Cyclops get his due. I would like to see um, James Mars Mar- James Mar- Marsden finally get you know a, a well written Cyclops and be able to do some cool shit in that movie because he's in it along with uh, Halle Berry and all the other uh, a lot of the returning actors from the X Men movies. So I, I, he's been punked in every film, and a lot of the reason why is because Cyclops of Wolverine. Cyclops is a bitch. Yeah, no, but Cyclops can be written well, and and he's he's but most uh, of the time he's a bitch. Yeah, but yeah, but if, but if you're gonna do Days of Future Past, yeah, sorry, uh, Wolverine plays a big part in this. Story which is arc, so, okay, which is cool, but I, I mean, am, that's you know, I, well, if it's not I, six one six accurate, it's gonna be a piece <laughs> of shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is ironic because the Days of Future Past storyline doesn't take place in six one six at all. <laughs> doesn't matter. It needs to be accurate to six one six. Everything's to six one six. Oh man, but yeah, that's, that's the just, ultimate has to has to be accurate to six one six. Exactly. <laughs> But that's just my concern. Um, other than that, that everything's copacetic. So okay, uh, whatever. Um, okay, uh-huh. well, thank you everyone for your submissions, and uh, now we're going to turn it over to uh, Solpro for Hopes and Dreams Corner. Oh with, man, with uh, uh, with Killer Chris. So guys, go ahead. Well, all right. Won't you be my hoper? Welcome, welcome to the Hopers and Dreamers corner with uh, with your host, of course, Sober Ryu and uh, the uh, the killer of uh, hopes and dreams himself, um, the webmaster Chris. And um, I guess the first submission we'll only do like these two right here because they're actually pretty lengthy. But um, the first one is from the Lightning Count, and uh, thank you for your submission. He writes, "I could ask about a Region One and English dub Gundam X DVD release or season three for the Big O, but I have a very special dream from a guy named Chris, and he cites Chris from a." Re- I mean, article that's dated for September 19th 2000, uh, in the year 2000. Damn, are you telling me 13 years ago? Almost 13 years ago? That's crazy. But uh, Chris wrote, yes, Escaflone is edited. Oh, actually, uh, Chris, do you see what I'm reading right here? Because to have you read it would be uh, would be awesome. If you don't, I'll just read it. But uh, I don't have that up on my screen. It, it's so. okay. That's all right. Here we go. I will, I, will, I will read for Chris. And he wrote way back when, yes, Escaflone is edited. However, it is the fourth new anime series to premiere on TV this year. Before 2000, there were only a handful of anime series on on TV. Anime is here to stay, and after experiencing these first few rough years, the day will arrive when executives open their eyes and realize they don't need to edit shows to gain ratings. Anime is something that can sell itself, and fans will watch it without any modifications. Uh, he cites his source, and then he goes on to say, I'm curious to hear how Chris will react to the Chris of old about anime being here to stay and TV execs opening their eyes to it. Should be fun to hear the verdict. Will he have to crush his own hopes and dreams? Sorbro, say it ain't so. <laughs> well, I'm mind deaf. I am. <laughs> and I'll turn the mic over to Chris to, to, to give his response to his uh, 13, his self 13 years ago. <laughs> Crush him, Chris. Do it. Don't spare. Don't spare the sword. <laughs> he's a stupid kid and doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, but you know what? Though <laughs> technically, 
anime is still on TV, so it is here to stay. So <laughs> technically, you were correct. I mean, it may be wheezing yeah, and coughing. After, <laughs> after I wrote that, you had like four kids come along. Oh my yeah, god! Of course. Yeah, that's true. The 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 the, the master butchers <laughs> of, of anime. <laughs> But, but technically, it is still around, so you, you weren't wrong. <laughs> it, 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 it isn't coming out by the truckload anymore, but um, yeah, but I didn't I, say that. And well, anime, at least, at mm-hmm. least we have uncut streaming now, so there is that. But yeah. no anticipated streaming back then. Uh, yeah, at least you know you you are right to some extent. To be honest, um, especially with streaming, yeah, anime is readily accessible now. It's not some underground niche thing that you you know had to go out of your way to get. Um, even on the internet, it wasn't easy to get back in the day. But you know, we live in the age of streaming, and you know, as, although it's not condoned, torrents and just you know, anime is easily obtainable now and it's part of the uh the culture now and people you know recite and uh reference things from anime and (laughs) dennis oh my god dennis must have dropped in for a second (laughs) he cut it to the combo but um yeah um you know it's it's readily accessible and people reference it and now it's the influence sorry it's influences movies influenza the influenza influenza. the influenza to movies and and all that stuff so yeah uh if anything uh old chris was right just not in the way he might have expected so (laughs) i just think they're trying to i just think this guy's trying to get you on something chris again oh yeah you know because it's always because god forbid that something you know i i wrote 13 years ago you were wrong right yeah (laughs) Not wrong, but like, you know, could not be foreseen how things would turn out. And now, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking 13 years after the fact. <laughs> what can yes, you always do? Always turn it back on them, Chris. Great, great. <laughs> Reverse that counter. But uh, thank you very much, Lightning Counter. That was very insightful. I appreciate it. And um, last seg- the last submission here is from Silver August. Sorry, Silver underscore August. And he writes, I'm going to be that guy. But honestly... All I got is that guy. That that guy. Who's that guy. That guy. <laughs> I'm that thing. Who's that effing guy? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he says. But honestly, it's that all I got is a mecha related and b within the realm of possibility even for me. Uh, he continues. I'd like to see another Zoids anime. Given how they have adapted, oh, sorry, how they have adopted regular model conventions and ditched the days of old with the motor-driven non-possible kits, I think it'd be a great opportunity to fully reboot the franchise with the new wave of models that are fully posable with custom gun accessory packs that you can buy separately and work with almost all kits so to encourage people making their own custom loadouts of the mecha. That and come on, I love seeing Zoids go at it. In a world with genocidal grandfathers what? <laughs> and super transforming cars. There's still room for uh, mecha animals. Adding to that, it seems. Uh, adding to that, it seems that a thing in Japan is with customization. The fact that Transformers Prime line tacked on model kit guns in the form of arms microns and do-it-yourself sticker applications is telling of this trend. So why not let Takara Tomy have something that is flat-out models that encourage customization? Uh, personally, I welcome that. I, I love it when I see uh, people take models um, of, uh, of, of, of whether it be Gundam models or anything else and, and put their own spin on it and customize it and, and make it their own. Because you can just build the model and put it on your shelf, or you can do something that makes it stand or out. Or you can do the Soul Bro and have somebody else build the model. You're for you. right. You're right about that. That's right. You can be Soul Bro and not have the <laughs> gonads to build your own <laughs> <Yeah>. model. <laughs> <laughs> Quick to the show phone. Shout out to Shoju. <laughs> but, 
But yeah, I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not a big Zoids fan, but um, I mean, if those are the models you enjoy building in this day and age of model building, it would be cool to see the new way that let, models let, are designed. Let, let but, Chris crush the dream. Oh yeah, well, Chris, please, please take the floor. Eh, Zoids, whatever. <laughs> not, not enough for me to even care about. Oh no, man, Solbro was reading all that stuff about Zoids and motor driven and all this. I didn't know what this guy was talking about. So. <laughs> I. I well, <laughs> This is dream crushing or not, but I just didn't know. I mean, I was like, whatever. I think it's a reasonable dream, and uh, I think that um, if Zoids does come back into popularity, it might be something you'll see. <laughs> the hope and dream cast. <laughs> but that's it for the Hopers and Dreamers corner. Thank you both for your submissions, uh, Lightning Count. Let's not forget, was sponsored by Grumpy Cat. Hey, what's sponsored by Grumpy Cat? He's the mascot of the Hopers and Dreamers corner. When you she, hope and dream. Oh, she. she. Damn, I, I don't even know the sex of Grumpy Cat. My my bad. My bad. Now she's she's grumpy at me. <laughs> you, know, you know nothing, Sobro, right? I, exactly. I, I've earned I've earned her disdain. But um, thank you guys for submitting. And if you guys do want to submit at any time, head on over to mechatalk.net. I'll click on the Gundam forum, and you'll see the uh, the thread there for the Hopers Dreamers corner. And I look forward to seeing you guys' submissions. And back to you, Neo. Oh man, thank you. Uh, I just had to wake up real quick. Oh, thank no, you, uh, Sobro, for the Hopers <laughs> Dreamers corner, and thank you, Crusher Chris. For uh, crushing all those hopes and dreams, even though one of them you were just kind of like, whatever. So, um, <laughs> anything else before we move on to our first and second segments of this uh, of this episode? Uh, Duke Room, our review of Duke Room, and uh, Mailbag Cleanup. Anything else, guys, before we go? I'm ready for some Civil War, buy, man. Buy war bonds, buy war bonds. Got to support the troops in the field. Um, all right. Well, you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. We'll be right back after this. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal. That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a Gun. damn about your personal life. Start talking. What did the Anime Addicts Anonymous hosts think of My Little Pony? If you're a dude older than 12... You really should not be watching My Little Pony. And if you are, go eat some chicken wings. Anime. I'd rather watch the Smurfs. Smurfette was hot. Addicts. I'm pretty sure I set a few My Little Ponies on fire when I was a, when I was a child. Anonymous. No, that's cool. I'm just saying that like, My Little Ponies burn real nice because they're made of plastic. Podcast. Visit us at aaapodcast.com, iTunes, Facebook, and live from Japan on Ustream.tv. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes Pretentious Internet Theater. Hey, this is Stephanie Shea, and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ.
かと恐れていた。いつの日かと夢見ていた。心目覚め、翼広げて旅立つ日。ダグラ、己つなぐ鎖断ち切り。Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and we are going to jump into an anime spotlight for a classic title, something we haven't done in a while. And that classic title is Fang of the Sun Dugram. It's a series from way back in 1981, directed by Ryosuke Takahashi and ran for a staggering 75 episodes. Jesus. <laughs> which was then followed by his next work. Little series you might have heard of called Armored Trooper Votomes.、Mm-hmm. Never heard of that.、Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's obscure. It's pretty like <laughs> a hipster. How, how, are the, how are the characters? Are, are, are the, any of the characters interesting or badasses in, that, in、uh, Votomes? There's, there's a guy who kills lots of people. And,、oh, okay.、Uh, you know, it's cool if you haven't heard of it. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. It's too underground for you, probably. Oh, <laughs> Gundam hipsters back, people. Nah, yeah, okay. Okay. Like So, Dugram came on the heels of the real robot revolution that was started off by the original Mobile Suit Gundam and really takes that theme and runs with it in ways that Gundam did not.、Mm-hmm. And probably, you know, from the high point of you know, the real robots in the 80s, it might be perhaps the most realistic real robot show of its time. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see that. I, I can see where you're going. So here's the story. You have this planet called Deloyer, which is a colony of the Earth Federation for 150 years. And the Earth Federation is made up of these seven nation states.、Mm-hmm. And they're all exploiting Deloyer for mineral resources and food because 40% of Earth's food and、uh, natural resources are supplied directly by Deloyer. So basically, it's.、Uh, Sort of a space extraction of you know, the Western colonialization of you know, Africa, Asia, all these other parts. And you have similar things of you know, mistreatment of the local populace, lots of resentment for these colonial masters, pent up desires for <clears throat> independence and rebellion.、Mm-hmm. And at the start, we actually have、um, they're kind of pulling like a victory Gundam because. It literally starts after the series has ended. That's true. It, showing it, us the, the Dugrum、uh, in ruins.、Mm-hmm. And then we jump to earlier, which is not the beginning of the story, but in the middle of the story, where this guerrilla group, the Fang of the Sun, is doing a job on a Federation train just so that you can have the title Mecha appear in the very first episode. Because、okay. otherwise it doesn't. <laughs> So it kind of establishes our characters. We have、uh, the Fang of the Sun. It's a group of Deloyerans and Kryn Kashim, a、uh, young Earth teenager who pilots the Dugram. And immediately after that, then, with the second episode onward, we go back to the beginning of the story and we find that、uh, Kryn's dad is Denon Kashim. He's the, he's the chairman of the Earth Federation Council. Which is having a meeting on Deloyer.、Mm-hmm. And it gets taken over by this representative of the 8th Army named Von Stein, who has declared、um, the independence of Deloyer. 
So Kryn is concerned about his dad and rushes over to Deloyer to try to help. But uh, his brother-in-law, Rick, who's in the military, tells him, like, look, what are you going to do? You're, you're a kid. You don't, you don't belong here. But Kryn wants to help anyway. And since he's already had military training in the academy, he gets uh, recruited as a mecha pilot for the combat armors that are used in this story. So you have this whole initial storyline of uh, Von Stein and his independence group, which really turns out to be a plan between him and Denon Kashim from the beginning to sort of take the spark of DeLorean independence, Mm -hmm. co-opt it and snuff it out before it gets to build up on its own and to also root out anyone in the Federation Council who is sympathetic to DeLoyer because in the end, Denon has all of them blamed for this rebellion and puts Von Stein in charge of the 8th Army. So it's quite a brilliant maneuver to suck the life out of an independence movement before it even starts up. (laughs) And it works Mm -hmm. for a while. But as the story goes on, Kryn sees that, um, you know, this world of privilege and wealth on Earth that he has lived his entire life and the reality of the way that the Federation mistreats DeLoreans, the two are in conflict. This is especially apparent since he had met uh, Rocky and some other DeLoreans on Earth and then runs into them again on DeLoyer and uh, he finally is forced to make this decision that, you know, Earth is wrong and mistreating these people is wrong and he ends up uh, joining the DeLoreans and is recruited by uh, this independence leader, Professor David Samelin, to pilot the Dugram, which has uh, been specially developed to fight on uh, DeLoyer's unique atmosphere and counter the Ex Nebula effect. So Kryn teams up with uh, Rocky and all of his friends, who initially are very skeptical of him, mm-hmm. but they end up coming together and they start fighting against the Earth Federation, which throughout the course of the early part of the story, a lot of back and forth of different engagements. Eventually, they head to some other areas. They lose a uh, comrade and gain a new annoying comrade. <laughs> they cross over the ocean, and it's all part of Samalin's plan to bring together all of these disparate rebel groups and unify them into an actual functioning army, which they end up doing. And thanks to uh, the exposure of uh, some really bad goings on in the military, where a Earth commander was forcing DeLorean soldiers to execute DeLorean rebels. Mm. You have a full-scale revolution in the 8th Army, which is made up of 80% DeLoreans. Jesus. <laughs> and once this news gets out, all of these DeLoreans start defecting from the Earth Federation and joining the People's Liberation Army, which starts winning all of these battles and gaining lots of public support, which forces Von Stein to have his now smaller army resort to guerrilla tactics Mm -hmm. to try to counter the momentum of this People's Liberation Army. So Samalin's goal at this point is to capture the spaceport that uh, all of these ships have to come through from Earth and use that as their trump card to force the Federation to acknowledge their independence and go away. Unfortunately, along the way, one of his right-hand advisors, a loser named Carmel, who is just a total coward and a weakling, has he launches a coup d'etat 
locks up Samuelin and has this misguided nego- idea of negotiations with uh, the very scheming Earth agent Lecoq. <laughs> and through his own actions, literally ends up snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Mm-hmm. So we find here, as the series is winding down, that he has declared the lawyer's independence, which has been acknowledged by Earth, but really it hasn't, and it's just a, a false piece because Lecoq is completely um, untrustworthy and disingenuous. Mm-hmm. So the Fang of the Sun, they're forced to keep fighting on. Uh, a bunch of people die, and uh, you know, in the end, they sort of scatter in their own directions to try to build a new future for themselves uh, in a way other than fighting. So lots, a lot of ground is covered in this TV series and the compilation movie. So we'll get into more details about some of the plot. But Sober, what did you think of the story that played out over these 75 episodes and the characters? Well, man, um, Dugram, well, when I finally sat down and watched this, because I, I started it some time ago, and um, I fell off a little bit because uh, I, 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 I enjoyed the show, but um, I just couldn't get into the momentum of it at first. But uh, when I finally sat down to watch it again, um, I, I did enjoy the kind of desperate situation the show presents itself, especially for the, um, the, the resistance movement and how all the characters get involved in the resistance movement. Um, you've got uh, Rocky, who has got one hell of a receding hairline. <laughs> And the fact that, you know, he's kind of easygoing dude when you when you get first introduced to him and his crew, um, you know, they're just just near to Wells hanging out on Earth uh, as part of their bicycle gang. And, um, you know, they're just just people who are just living life and just traveling and, 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 and pretty easygoing. But once they head back home to the lawyer, you kind of see what they were running away from, which is kind of the oppressive boot of the uh, uh, the Earth forces and, and, and the kind of the vice grip that Earth has them in for supplying all their resources. And, um, you know, when they start twisting the knife and, 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 and going after rebels and whatnot and killing uh, people that they know, you do get invested in the story. Um, and I, I enjoyed Rocky's character probably more than um, most of the characters in the series, even though they didn't do a lot with him in the middle. Um, outside of that, uh, of course, Kryn is a, a fun character to watch. Um, you know, every, after a while, he just became the pilot of the Doom Room. But, you know, any episode that did involve him was was pretty solid and uh his connection to his dad was always an interesting uh faction of the story it always re- it reminded me of um there's a video game series called Suikoden and the conflict between him and his dad where they're on opposing sides and his dad is uh you know pretty much leading the uh the the aggressors in this conflict uh, the fact that you know he had to pretty much raise arms against him, you know, reminded me of the conflict that's in Suikoden, where you play the main character and his father's a general on the side of a, a kingdom that's oppressing the populace. And um, I, I thought there was a little bit that was uh, similar to that. And I think maybe Suikoden borrowed from Durgham in that respect. But um, how the whole crew gets together, the death of uh, a particular character, Festo, man. Uh, <laughs> I was the, joking. The longest, the longest <sighs> teased grenade ever, dude. Man, it, it was like fucking. It was, it was like Final Destination. Um, you know, you see it bouncing inside <laughs> of the sidecar. I was t- joking with Neo when we were streaming. I, I told him, follow the bouncing grenade. <laughs> that's exactly what that whole episode was. And then when you finally start to see him celebrate the fact that he saved the day, um, you know, he's he's freaking riding the sand dunes like he's evil Knievel. And as and he's he like, explodes with excitement. Oh my god, dude! It's like he went out hard body. And I didn't expect to. I, I expected maybe they would find some bullshit way to bring him back. 
Um, well, you know, they kind of do, but they, in an they, annoying way. They do in a very annoying way. And when you think about it, the way they bring it back is by way of a replacement character by the name of George L. Jordan, um, who's much shorter than he is. And um, but he really is really stupid and annoying and ridiculous. But Giorgio uh, comprises the majority of the series. Like yes. Festo dies in episode seventeen. Giorgio shows up like maybe episode twenty or nineteen. Like it's not too long before Giorgio shows up, and when he does, he is it's in the show. I thought he would get killed, just like you know, in some wild way, like a. Uh, like uh, like You're Festo did, because <laughs> I, I do I love Festo. I love that dynamic that Festo had with Heckler. Because when they introduced Heckler in like the mid Heckle, in the teen, he- sorry he- Heckle, when they introduced Heckle in the middle of the the teens, I I, I didn't think a Heckle would even join up with them. But the dynamic that Heckle and Festo had was outstanding. I I, I love the fact that uh that he would call him nerd and and uh, Heckle started to, to to bite back and 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 they had a pretty good rapport. Then they must have realized that after they killed off Festo, so they would go ahead and they introduce Giorgio and try to reinstate that, and it's not the same. It's not the same at all. And Giorgio's um, just so stupid. He is so dumb. I mean, I like the fact that Festo returned to the show in some way. I'm sure it's the same voice actor that played no, it was him. Not. It wasn't really? Wow. How could you not tell? I mean, oh my uh, god. I thought maybe he was just like doing it differently. So, the, you know. <laughs> Giorgio's voice actor is the same guy who plays Vanilla in Votoms. That guy has one oh. of the most distinct voices in anime he also played buggy the clown that's in right. one piece his god. voice is so high-pitched and shrieky you cannot confuse him for anybody else yeah may, i thought maybe he was trying to play it low-key uh as uh, as festo but yeah when they when they bring in giorgio I, you know, this, and that, that may be one of my complaints about the show is that there is a little bit of inconsistency when they um introduced the the main the fang of the sun when they when they're first getting their weapons and they they wear their 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 new costumes their their kind of uh, what neil what'd you call it oh they freaking and caveman the, uniforms. The, cave, the caveman uniforms. Why, why, why does it, that was that is a weird thing? It's like here they're got like these uh, like you know apocalyptic Earth uh, uniforms on. Not even really uniforms. It's just like cutoffs and mm-hmm. stuff. And everybody else has just got normal uniforms. And the, here these guys are with you know it looks like almost like rags. <laughs> Dude, post apocalyptic. Grin has his nipples exposed more in in anime than like almost every <laughs> other hentai character combined. Yeah, I know. It's just ridiculous. It's like I mean, you did see people here and there in the in the resistance movement wearing the same kind of outfits, but more more often than not, they were just re- wearing regular street clothes. Yeah. Yeah. And I figured somewhere along the way, once uh, Heckle got introduced and and Giorgio got introduced, and they wore their regular street clothes throughout the rest of the whole series, um, that they would finally you know take up uh, you know regular clothes and they would give, give them a oh. costume change halfway through. Oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> they still let action figures throughout the entire series, and I thought, oh. okay, that was what's that? Even No Name, who uh, uh, wears yeah. his shorts out in the snow. Nanashi <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, Nanashi was a was 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 a wild character, and I understand he was kind of a nature boy uh, kind of character. Um, but yeah, just to have him go around with no shirt on. <laughs> The whole show. I did he even wear shoot. No, he wore sandals. He wore sandals. Yeah. But um, the show had a real wild cast. Uh, I, another character I liked was Canary. Um, she was one of the. I guess she's an early representation of a, a really strong female character in uh, in a in a mecha show and and one that's not useless and 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 just eye candy. That uh, of course that that character shows up later, but. <laughs> 
But um, yeah, uh, overall, uh, I, I like the cla- cast. I thought it was very uh, in a very eclectic cast. Uh, the the aggressors uh, when you when you factor in a character like Zaltsev, who was um who was a, a general for the um for the for the Federation at the beginning of the series, and then later on becomes their ally. Um, I like the I, I I really enjoyed his character and how he resurfaced in the series. Um, what was the name of the the turncoat jerk, jerk that uh, ends up uh, uh, shooting the shit out of the the main villain at the end of the show? I forget his Destin. name. Destin. Destin. Yeah. yeah, I like what they did with his character. How he started out, you know, an idealist and then turned into a scumbag, and then at the end of the day, ironically, he's the guy who turned the tide for the entire uh, situation at the very last episode. So I thought it was a, a, an ironic fitting fate for for him and. Uh, and for old Lecoq. You know what's <laughs> funny is that mm-hmm. Destin started off as um, Samalin's right-hand man, but secretly mm-hmm. was working for Lecoq. And right. then uh, Carmel is Samalin's right-hand man and betrays him because of Lecoq, which, if anything, proves that mm-hmm. Samalin is really bad at choosing right-hand guys. No doubt. <laughs> Yeah, yes. He he got better at it at, uh, towards the, at the end of the series, but um, yeah, but still, yeah, it's like, but, <laughs> he, he, he made some really bad choices. Much with to his, his top guys. Much to his detriment. Um, another character. I, I, I'll wrap this up, but um, one other character I really enjoyed a lot, and you didn't get to see much of, was Bucks, the old man who gave the guys their weapons at the very beginning. I was he opened his eyes. Yeah, I, I was joking with Neo. It's like, yo, dude, that's anime Ed Wunsler, bro. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that dude, his eyes. that dude's straight Ed Asner, man. As uh, anytime he opens his mouth, I've just expected Ed Asner's voice to come out. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish it. I wish it would happen at least once. But his character, as little as you got to see him, uh, plays a big factor in the le- in, in the later episodes. And uh, it was always fun to see how he interacted with the group and how how he always hooked them up. He was the guy with all the with all the right contacts and um he was he's, he's a guy you want to have as a right hand man but uh, i thought the structure of the show was great it meandered a little bit in the middle um there were some arcs that could have been cut a lot shorter and there are some monster of the week moments in the show but i mean that's the you, you could say that for a lot of shows of that era but it, it is a first when it comes to um what you had mentioned where it um it, it was it was a real robot show that i guess was feeding the need for a real robot show because gundam had come and gone and then when it went, um, people finally got turned on to the show and they wanted more of something like that. So it was the perfect window for Takahashi to do a show like this and, and, and have an audience to watch the show, which I guess was why it was successful enough to run 75 episodes. And uh, I'm sure the audience of his day could uh, really enjoy watching it. Could a show like this last in today's age? I ask you guys, would you think a show like this, if they made a show like this, do you think it would run for 75 episodes or? No. No, it was a product I, of its time. Because it is Dugram, if you look at it, did a lot of things that no real robot show had done at mm-hmm. the time or have done since. Like for example, in the early teens, there's an episode where they're being chased in this barren desert by the Federation, and they're all starving. <laughs> yeah, and they just need—they're just trying to get food because mm-hmm. they're yeah. starving. And there's another episode where they can't even use Dugram to fight because they don't have any fuel for it. So yep. they have to coordinate a guerrilla raid on the Federation's supply deep supply line and steal energy cells so they could then power up the dug room and use it. In the middle of the series, there's a point where the dug room is missing an arm for like three episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And, and, and there's, there's, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and the, uh, and the upgrades... They don't upgrade the mecha 
You know, you That's would think right. normally he would get a, a mid-season upgrade. He would get upgrades, but it was just pieces from other uh, combat armors or just we, other things well, that the they turbo, had. Well, the Turbo Zack was made for the Dugrum. Yeah. Oh, spe- speaking of which, anytime he used that, I, 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 I dubbed it the Tebow Cannon because he would get on one knee before he did the kill shot. <laughs> yeah, he would, he would like, Tebow. Oh, here comes the Tebow. Let's go <laughs> and shoot like two, three suits at once. <laughs> But yeah, the Turbo Zack. I mean, it, it, that's that's pretty much the only upgrade he got. I mean, other than um, if they gave the it the launcher that they swiped oh, from, yeah. round, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, like near the end of the series. I was just asking, where was the magnetic coating? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how Sunrise used to do it back in the day. But, but um, you know, for for all of those realistic parts, there is the one very super robot aspect that, aside from having its arm break off once, the mm-hmm. Duckham is pretty much indestructible. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes some direct hits. and It takes direct have, hits all the freaking time. And wouldn't have a scratch for it. Exactly. And especially and as the series goes on and they start bringing in new combat armors, it's still pretty indestructible. <laughs> the, the only time it's you know, even heavily damaged is when uh, Kryn blows it up in the very last episode. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. For like sixty percent of the show, the 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 um the resistance forces didn't even have mobile, didn't even have uh, combat armors. It, all it was was Doogram. Everybody else was fighting on foot. <laughs> so you expect to see like maybe an upgrade happen for the Doogram, like maybe halfway through the series, because of the fact it was the only suit fighting on that side. But hell no, not not really anything significant. Well, they have limited limited resources. I mean, they yeah. probably had to pour in everything that they had just to build that one unit. That's yeah. true. And they did have a plan to you know mass produce it and all of those e guns and those personal weapons, but obviously that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So. Another thing is that um, this show places a lot of focus on strategy and tactics, and you see a lot mm-hmm. of discussion of you know the two armies against each other, and you know the teams are going to go out and do these types of raids in concert with each other, and you really see the group working together because you know they have this robot Dugram, but it's not just that doing the work. I mean, how when has an ep- episode ever gone by without Chico destroying like two or three helicopters? <laughs> Yeah, I, he was he he was definitely um, Mr. Helicopter guy. I, I got a feeling that George R. R. Martin and um, Takahashi would get along because <laughs> they both love they both love laying out strategies in their shows. And um, Dugram is definitely uh, a show where that you have like people just planning out things. Just, I was just waiting for John Madden to come in there to give commentary every time they were drawn on the on the sand or on the side of a a, 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 a machine for the, the the next battle plan. It was just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of focus there on, on teamwork and strategy because in a lot of mecha shows and admittedly a lot of Gundam shows, the strategy is let's just throw robots at each other and see who survives. Yeah. There's not, we, we have we, we have the Gundam. We have the Gundam just fight next to it and it'll take the it'll take the big baddie and we'll just uh, fight its minions and that's about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even in shows like where you have a coordinated military team, it's like as soon as everyone launches, they just run off and do their own thing. There's no like company leader or, you know, commanding officer supervising and giving everyone orders on the battlefield. It's like just go do your own thing and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and a lot of mecha shows are like that, so it's good to see this focus. The other thing is we see lots and lots and lots of focus on politics because in so many mecha shows, the focus is just on the war. But mm-hmm. war and politics go hand in hand. Wars happen because of politics. Wars also end because of politics. And politics are another battlefield 
in a war. Yeah, Mobile Suit Gundam scratched the surface, but this show goes into it in depth. <laughs> you know, all, all of these things of you have, you know, the Federation, which is dominated by Denon Kashim's country of Medol, but mm-hmm. then there's these other countries that hate Medol and they're supporting DeLorean independence because they have uh, business interests on Deloyer, but they're not doing it out of love of DeLoyerans. They're doing it to just be against Medal and further their own business interests. So you have a lot of people doing a lot of calculations and people betraying each other, people scheming. You look at guys like Von Stein, you mm-hmm. know, how he assassinates his superior at the very beginning of the series and always fights against being seen as uh, Denon's puppet. You have Lecoq, who is just Denon's secretary, and is always scheming to be more. And uh, I watch this guy, and he reminds me a lot of uh, Francis Urquhart from the original British House of Cards. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, I've never seen uh, the original one, but uh, now that you bring up House of Cards, uh, he, he's, he's just got that, that, that political uh, hunger to just like, There's do whatever. There's schemers mm-hmm. who try to seem innocent and who have disdain for everyone above them yes. and want to use whatever tactics they can to get in, in, into power. And we see how far Lecoq's willing to go at one point when uh, Denon's in the hospital and uh, he almost grabs the, um, the IV drip to try yeah. to, uh, you know, kill him. For once, the butler didn't do it. He saved him. <laughs> <laughs> but then you always... I wonder why the butlers didn't say anything to anybody. Like, hey, this guy tried to kill him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> like, he just kept his mouth shut about that. But anyway, there's a lot of focus on that. There's a lot of discussion about uh, history, especially from Denon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his attitude basically is that Earth's survival depends on um, DeLoyer being subjugated. And that's just history. That's just the way it is. And, you know, he uses that to justify everything he does. And it's interesting that he says that, but he doesn't really seem to know how history works because exactly you know we've seen time and time again that when you have a populace that's oppressed by a colonial power oppressing them and cracking down on them even more doesn't get them to like you no (laughs) i mean in any situation i mean if you just need any example of that just look at syria and the uh, the arab spring where you had these protests that started off peaceful and were met by just ceaseless government brutality and turned into uh, a full-scale civil war. And we've even before that, we've seen it everywhere. And, you know, you can use a brutal government crackdown to suppress your populace in the short term. But in the long term, the longer that you stick your boot up against their throat, the more it just hardens them against you. And eventually they'll find that they just can't take anymore and they will rise up against you and will not stop no matter what you do and no matter how much force you bring to bear against them. Exactly. And this proves it because, you know, people from Earth treat DeLoreans like they're not even human. <laughs> it's just yeah, amazing. It's <laughs> I mean, they mistreat them to such a shocking degree. And it literally, it is just a space transplant of Western, the history of Western colonialism, like in Africa and other parts of the world. Absolutely. And Denon's whole thing is like, oh, well, if DeLoyer walks away, Earth is ruined. Well, that's that's not that's not true. You know, DeLoyer's independence and Earth survival do not have to be mutually exclusive. It's not a zero sum game. If you give them uh, the independence that they want and treat them as equals, they're not likely to go tell you to go yourself. But if you treat them like trash and force them to fight you, how are they? Why would they want to cooperate with you afterwards? Very true. I, 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 I don't understand how how bad things are on Earth. 
I mean, there's eight billion people on Earth, so that's just like one. That's just one billion more people than um, what we have now. Um, but you know, has Earth's environment become so bad that you know you can't grow your own crops, or um, maybe maybe the populace is so big that they can't feed everybody on Earth from the Earth's well, uh, it's stock a few alone? Years in the future, so obviously you've had you know you can assume depletion of. Um, fossil fuels that bigger populace you can assume more population and more uh land that's unable to be used as farmland mm-hmm. you know more depletion of natural resources from mining over the centuries so you, know, you have all these things but it's like it's not the lawyer's fault that earth sucks at managing its resources <laughs> and there's other options too because we already hear some talk near the end of the series about uh plants that colonialize other planets yeah mm-hmm. you know there's like two or three other plants that they're talking about uh doing the same thing and starting up so you definitely have this idea that um you know denon and his generation you know they're just blind to uh the the desires of the deloyerans and all they care about is earth survival and you also have you know all of these businessmen and politicians you know they just are so elite and disconnected from the average person that they don't understand anything. And their attitude basically is, hey, you dirty peasants, just shut up and stop complaining. We need to make money. <laughs> well, I think, that's, I think that that's where it comes out. Like his – you look at his – you look at Denon's um, worry that, okay, if we do this, we give the lawyer its uh, independence, then they could sit there and withhold – these resources or charge us a pretty premium for it or whatever. And that's true. But in the end, it really just comes down to the fact of they're just afraid of losing their power because they don't want to see, you know, they're rich and they're elite and they have all the power. They don't want to see DeLoreans now since they're the ones that got the Trump card. I mean, if if you give them the independence, there's going to be people owning farms and distribution companies and stuff like that that are DeLorean that might end up becoming more rich, richer and more powerful than, um, than these people on earth. So I think that's where it really, I mean, I understand his, I understand his worry about that because if you're looking at it just on the plain thing of like, Oh, this could cause like, economic upheaval in the in the in earth because maybe now they're going to charge more because they can and people need this stuff i understand True, that but if you but if you make them re- hate you to the death right. how does that make the situation better? <laughs> no and i understand that I'm, I'm just saying i see where he's saying yeah. if you're looking on that side but in the end it all looks like it just comes back to hey i'm going to lose my my family's going to lose its power and wealth or get uh, you know overshadowed by possibly these these new De- uh, Delorean upstarts, you know, and, and, and yeah. stuff that it, it we comes see down now. To pure yeah. greed, because you yeah. know we hear a lot in the series about how Deloyer's economy is completely dominated by Earth companies, and Deloyer companies just can't compete with Earth's capital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see it also, you know, demonstrated in uh, Denon's two oldest sons, who are just greedy bastards and. Ooh. You know, are just total leeches. <laughs> and that's another thing I find interesting is uh, Denon's relationship with his his children because you know obviously it is a huge embarrassment for him to have his youngest son Crin be a gorilla and also the pilot of Deloyer's symbol of independence. Yeah, they're they're, they're um <laughs> practically their mascot. Yeah, 
But I, I find it really interesting that throughout the entire series and even onto his deathbed, he holds such a high level of respect for his son mm-hmm. because in the middle of the series, he goes back to Earth because we, we see that he's sick. He's not doing well. And he has a dinner with his family mm-hmm. and his two adult sons are just whining about how their lives are so hard because of Crin being a gorilla. Yeah. And what about what about the, the the conversation he had with his uh the the middle son, um where he said you know you need to be able to rely on yourself. Well, I'll get um, to that. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Get to that. <laughs> so they're whining about how their jobs are so much harder because of their brother being a gorilla, mm-hmm. and Denon basically shuts them down and says, "Hey, think about the reason that he's doing this because he's risking his life for something that he believes in." The unsaid part after that being. Unlike you two parasites who can't do anything on your own without me. Yeah, and I think that that's a good point because you get the thing that, and and we see this in a lot, you know, in in real life and even in in other stories that, okay, Denon doesn't agree with what um, Kryn is doing, Mm -hmm. but he respects him for the fact of he's doing something uh, that he believes in and he's all in on it. And even though yeah, Denon he's doesn't, his life every single day, unlike his two, yeah. you know, pampered uh, little whiny brothers who everything is all about. Oh, but my dad is blah blah blah. And, you know who my dad is? Yeah. And blah blah blah. And you know they can't do anything for themselves. And their youngest brother, who's basically just a, a teenage kid, is fighting for his beliefs and risking his life every single day. Yeah, mm-hmm. these guys think that they're special, and they're not special because they didn't do anything. It's like. Oh, you know, I have this or my family has that. Well, you didn't do anything. It was, it's your family. It's not, you know, it's your dad. It's Denon. It's like, you didn't do anything. He just puts you in the position now that you have. You didn't even work for it. So they're they're two entitled pricks and um, they think that the world should, you know, bow down to them. And, um, you know, they're they're complaining about things while their son, while, I'm sorry, Kryn is going out into the world to try to change it and, and, and on his own volition without any help from his father. You know, he left the nest. Those other two never did. Yeah. And I like that, you know, near the end of the series, when you finally have, because you're thinking to yourself like, man, what's it going to be like when at some point after such a long fight, these two characters, Kryn and his dad, they have to meet again. There has to be some kind of reflection on the past these two guys have taken. And it happens when... Um, Denon is lying on his deathbed and he calls for Kryn, who, who crosses over you know, the enemy lines during this uh, ceasefire and talks to his dad. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he's like, hey, I'm not – Kryn's like, I'm not going to apologize for what I did. And his dad's like, no, you shouldn't. You, know, you, you, need to, you need to follow your path and not have any regrets about it, which is sort of the way that he has lived his own life. And he's like, yep. hey, you know, I want you to know that I did all of this for Earth's survival. It wasn't you know, out of my own self-interest. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of buy because, you know, um, Denon's whole line throughout the series from the very first episode is about Earth's survival, whereas all these other guys from Earth is just like, hey, we got to make money. Even Krim was relieved to hear that when uh, when he told him that. He, he, he told him straight up, was like, I'm relieved that, that, was, that that's the, that the truth behind your actions because, you know, of course, Krim is on the opposite side of the equation and he's, he's doing it for a lot of moral reasons. But, you know, they both have viewpoints that they can respect from one another. And I, I thought that was a pretty, pretty good re- resolution to their relationship. It's funny, too, because that's probably one of the best uh, parts of this of this show is when um – you know, when his father's on his deathbed and, you know, they, they, they kind of do the ceasefire where they allow Kryn to go into the Federation air base 
and to see his father and, you know, nothing's going to happen to him. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of these things. And then when he shows up, it's like his two older brothers are just like looking at him like, oh, I can't even <laughs> believe I can't believe you're here. And then they're shocked when it's like they, they dad you know, called the, for him. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, the dad yeah. calls for him and they're like, not for them. It, not for them, and and and, and he and the dad wants to see Crin alone, and even without the mother in there, and it's like, wow, that's just that's just crazy, and um, yeah, I mean, it, that's where you kind of feel a, a little sympathy for uh, Denon because you're like, man, you know, this guy, he he did all this stuff, and his family's just so fucked up with these, these other, uh, you know, his his uh, his two sons and everything, and it's like. Um, you can you can see why that he he, he felt akin to uh, Crin and and he was very he was always kind of a little moot when people would bring that up to him about yeah. you know Crin being in the uh, rebellion he'd just be like eh, you know wouldn't say much about it and especially when uh, his two dumbass sons would sit there sometimes it's like oh you know I can't believe it he's bringing so much shame on you and and the family and all this stuff and you know Dennis is like whatever you know just go away. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's... another thing is that we see, you know, the the corruption of the Federation because you see a lot of good, talented officers like, say, Rick Boyd and Jackie Zaltsev getting pushed aside because you have these guys who are just corrupt and all they care about is their power. And we mentioned earlier, you know, this this uprising on this base where there was this Earth commander who would force, you know, for sport. And for his amusement, his DeLoyer and soldiers to execute DeLoyer and guerrillas. Yeah. You know, just to rub it in their faces. It's like, man, what kind of military discipline is that? You know, to, to forcibly humiliate your soldiers and uh, be like, hey, here's your countrymen. You execute them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously it turns uh, against him when uh, Lieutenant Gabor stands up to him and sort of becomes a symbol of the, of the revolution for the military of, hey – why, why are we working for these creeps and killing our own countrymen who are fighting for our freedom? Yeah, exactly. Not only that, but, you know, outside of, um, outside of the, the, the deathbed scene and stuff, one of the other things that just is, is kind of sticks out to me during this show is, you know, you mentioned earlier, Chris, that the, the motive of uh, Salomon and the Fang of the Sun and, and the rebel groups is to kind of unite all these rebel groups together so they can have one standing army. And I think it, and they finally get to that point, And then, you know, they start experiencing the issues it is to be in a large force like that, and then when the Federation forces that are on Deloyer, they're actually been reduced, and they have they actually it goes from being uh, the Federation forces being the large standing army to now being the guerrilla force, and their tactics are changing. And there's a point where you know the Fang of the Sun and the resistance groups are getting they're they're having these guerrilla attacks being held onto them, and then they're experiencing the same stuff that, the, that they that used they to do. do. Yeah, that they used <laughs> to do that the Federation forces used to. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, wow. That was pretty. That was something that really kind of stood out for me, uh, you know, when, when I'm watching watching the show. And and you don't you don't always see that. You see the rebel forces getting big. I mean, you, you know, like is for instance, like Zeta Gundam. You see them getting big, but you don't see like with the AU, but you don't see it like uh, kind of the role reversal. 
like that. And uh, it, it, that was that was very interesting to me, and it, and it really kind of stood out in, in, in a way that um, you know that was unique. So and something you don't see that much. Yeah, and another thing is that the series, like man, in, in the in the late '60s, it deals you such a huge gut punch Ooh, yes. because the Liberation Army has grown so huge, and they're marching unopposed almost, and you know getting past every obstacle to capture the spaceport, and then it's all ruined by Carmel and his betrayal, which gives the Federation enough time to bring in reinforcements from Earth, and now garrison that spaceport so heavily that the Liberation Army couldn't hope to beat them. No, so they had, a, they had a chance for victory. They could have done it, but then Carmel had to ruin everything because of his weakling desire uh, for a false peace and his own position as leader of the new government. And once that point was reached, it's like the will to fight is over because, you know, they've declared this false independence. Everyone is happy. They think that they've won and they've all scattered in their own direction and the populace is happy. Mm -hmm. And then when the Fang of the Sun rises up again to keep fighting, Carmel's trying to have them portrayed as malcontents and extremists who just can't accept peace when it's like, no, everybody else has been fooled. This is a false peace. This is not real independence at all. Nothing has changed, which is something that by the end of the series, Carmel starts to realize because Samalin told him, like, look, this is our only chance to do this. How many mm -hmm. false independences have we had in our history and in just human history? And if you do this, you're going to regret it. Yeah, it makes and, you and he does. It makes you question your own your own freedom and 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 what's been institutionalized in your own uh, in your own reality when it comes to government and uh, and 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 you know the law of the land and, and things like that and how how we found our freedom and you know it just it, it's a good commentary the, the the entire show and the political developments and how politicians manipulate the war wartime and um, and the developments there and and try to you know take advantage of the populace I I, I that's one of the aspects of the series I love the most is yeah. is exactly the the political mastery in this show, especially with Lecoq, as 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 much of a bastard as he is, he he got through by the skin of his teeth. And how he goes down to me is amazing. Because if it, if it wasn't for that one incident, he'd have been the most powerful man in the universe. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is that um, you know the ending of the series of this shaky sort of not real piece that the slim of the slimmer of hope is one Lecoq gets assassinated by Destin and two Carmel stood up and had the uh, DeLorean army go and stand up to the Earth Federation forces. Yeah. But there's so much that's, you know, uncertain and it's in a way more true because in real life, mm -hmm. there is no clean, easy peace. No, not at all. Even if you, it's like in so many stories, it's like, yay, we won our independence, the end, everything's happy. No, it's not. Everything is always going to be a mess. Yep. Even yep. if you've won your independence, even if it's a true independence, it's still going to be a mess. So I like that they did not wrap up the story with a bow and gave us, you know, and instead they gave us this very bittersweet ending because it's much truer to reality. Very true. And, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, you have Samuel and as he's dying, telling them like, hey, you know, you guys are the new generation. You have to build, um, you know, a future in some other way, but you can't do it if you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you got to live he, on. And, and, yeah. And then he realizes 
that um, as an old guy from the older generation, that even he was caught up in the prejudices of Earth's way of thinking and that they have to find a DeLorean way of thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to wonder, though, also, since there was that talk of colonizing other planets, like, you know, with the Federation being as it is, you know, these other two or three planets they mention, are these going to be the next DeLoreans in another century or two? Are they just going to start up all over again and not learn their lesson? So it's an interesting world and, you know, it leaves you with a lot to think about as it's happening. It reminds me a lot, and I think, well, at least me would agree that mm-hmm. it, uh, especially with the politics, it feels a lot like Galactic Heroes. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah, with- because it's got that same old thing of you know, and I, I know people don't always like politics and all this stuff, and you know, because there's always a negative connotation, but you know. You, the political mastery and the political strategy that is shown in this, I mean, it's just like Galactic Heroes where, yeah, soldiers fight battles, but politics wins the war. And that's kind of, you know, that's stressed throughout uh, Dugram. And, uh, yeah, I got that same sense, uh, uh, Chris. It, it, you know, and no one is as pretty as everybody in Galactic Heroes. But, uh, <laughs> much dirtier. And the animation is really cheap sometimes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Those those middle those middle areas, uh, Dugram's uh, head slash cockpit area is uh, very kind of wonky looking, and uh, the whole the whole the whole Dugram itself is kind of little wonky, little weird, and just kind of bizarre. So, but um, yeah, it's uh, it, I, I definitely get that because and and it's almost like one of these things too. It's kind of like I'm watching something like this and I'm like man, maybe I should go back and watch some Galactic Heroes again. <laughs> I'll see it twice over if I haven't seen it at all. Take that The other thing I noticed is that um, aside from the fact that you have interstellar travel and combat robots, there's really nothing science fiction about this show at all. No. It's more and, more borders on fantasy, although, you know, without any fantasy. kind of fan, fan, the fantastical. <laughs> I don't see how it's fantastical. You have I militaries, mean, you have politicians. I mean, there, there's really nothing... Yeah, that's true. Out of the ordinary about it, other than just the robots robots and and themselves. I keep thinking it's 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 not so much fantasy, but um, because because it's on another world. I I can't shake that. Although the world seems so Earth-like that it's it might as well be Earth that they're on. So um, my my point is that it doesn't. There's no science fiction elements really. Of you know, there's no there's no new types. There's no magic space people. There's no aliens. There's none of that stuff. And if you look at the the design of everything, you know, all of the military vehicles. They all look very like retro 20th century. They don't look futuristic at all. The Jeeps look like something out of World War II. Yeah. You know, the military uniforms look like something out of U.S. Army circa Vietnam. Yeah, I got a Vietnam vibe from the show, too, especially with the resistance. Uh, Remind me a lot of the just the way um, what more of the, the GIs for the Federation look a lot like the GI um, d- uh, uniforms during Vietnam and, and a yeah. little bit of Korea. And I got a little bit of a Viet Cong vibe from the from the uh, resistance as well. But um, it, it was if that I couldn't shake that either when i watched Rich, it i mean it, you, you look at the the t- uh the time that dugram was made mm-hmm. would make sense right after I mean, it, i'm sure yeah. it's very uh, very intentional i'm sure i'm certain well it's, but the it's whole world you know spaces, everything yeah. the clothes mm-hmm. people wear you know the telephones the cars like it looks like it could be happening right now if not for the robots and spaceships and and to be <laughs> honest with you even with the robots and the spaceships the 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 spaceships are very they look like just larger uh airliners, airliners yeah yeah they look like the larger airliners and the combat armors 
are not really that fantastical. They they're don't not, fly. They don't fight in space. They're not super huge. I mean, they're big, but they're not super huge. Uh, the the cockpits are where the head would be, and it mm-hmm. doesn't even have any resemblance of a face. It's just, I mean, the Dugram looks like it looks like a, a cockpit of a of a um, of a, jet, a fighter jet. I mean, it's there's there's just nothing really there. And uh, and then and then you got like those. Uh, God, I forgot which ones they were. The ones with the uh, the cannons and where the chin would be. They were the only ones oh, that the would blockheads. The blockheads. They were the only ones that kind of looked a little. They had a little bit of a, a robot type of face to them. But yeah. then the way that the, you know that one was that one had to be manned by two guys, and it's it's just just really bizarre. It's like I I, I understand what you're saying because it it for something that is in the future on another planet, it does not have really any. Any science fiction or elements like to it. Lurtoff, mm-hmm. the reporter, he types on a typewriter for Christ's sakes. And they, and they and they write for newspapers. What yeah. the hell are those? <laughs> There's no cell phones. I mean, it feels. That's what I'm saying. It feels very like like it could have been a modern thing at its time, aside from the robots. And the robots, of course, were designed by Kunio Okawara. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely see his influence. And you can also see um, in the look of the round facer as sort of a middle step between the Zaku and the Scope Dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's definitely got that. Yeah, it, yeah, and there's also, there's sometimes while you're uh, watching the show, because of the way the animation can be kind of inconsistent, the uh, round facers sometimes reminded me of Zaku's. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, talking about how things look, Sobro, mm-hmm. this one's for you. Did you catch the Capcom co- connection? I didn't catch the Capcom connection, but it's funny you mention that because uh, a Capcom game actually introduced me to Doogram years and years ago before I even knew the series existed. Um, there's a, a game called Tech Romancer, um, and in um, that game, yeah, well, it, it, Tech Romancer was this, uh, it's, it's a fighting game that involves robots and mecha, and every every robot in the game is based on a parody of a, a mecha series. Uh, one of them was called the Wise Duck, and it had a crew of people who piloted and there. Every, in the game, every every uh, mecha you played had two different endings, a bad and a good one. Um, and one of the endings for the Wise Duck, it's an actual send-up, a, a love letter to Dugram, because um, the one of the characters that survives the ending of the of the of Wise Duck, um, he goes to where the Wise Duck fell, um, and it's it's like many many years in the future, and it's coated in dust and and sand, and he's an old the the, the character's an old man at the time, and he reminisces uh, during the time that he fought for freedom with his uh, with his crewmates, and um, it's a send-up for the first episode of Dugram. But uh, as for the Capcom uh, connection, I take it that's not what you're referring to is it Chris? No, not okay. at all. Okay, you tell me that Professor Samuelin isn't Dr. Light. Yeah, yeah. It. Oh my god. <laughs> and here's here's another one for you. Here's another uh-huh. one for you. Mm-hmm. Danon's uh, personal physician, you tell me he isn't Dr. Wiley. Oh my god, so you're telling me wow, yeah, you Just know. look at them. They look like Dr. Wiley and Dr. Light. That's crazy. So, you know, I, I, I can only imagine because that was, um, uh, Mega Man was a few years after. 87. Uh, yeah, it was a few years after Doverman and Doom, I'm sure it was a huge hit during the 80s for for Sunrise. So um, I could, it, man, I, I could, it wouldn't surprise me if it had some kind of influence on that. The second I saw Simon, I was like, oh my god, this is this is Doctor Light. Just look at him. <laughs> yeah. And then when Denon goes to Earth and sees his his doctor, and he's got that wacky hair going those directions, he's wearing the lab coat. I was like, oh my god, it's Doctor Wiley. What the that, hell is going on here? That's insane. I was calling uh Simon, uh Professor Santa Claus. <laughs> Yeah, he does look like Santa Claus too. He got or Burl Ives, but 
when how you bring up Doctor Light, holy, holy, holy shit! That's a that that makes all the sense of the world. So, Neo, any other comments uh, to toss in about Dugram? Um, I always found it funny when uh, <laughs> Crin's uh, love interest Daisy would show up and they'd have the that sad like violin music <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Sort of like like it's sort of like the sad Hulk music. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it was so awful because every time she showed up, no matter if it was like a good thing or not, it would just be that music, and you're just. And like, she's always oh. hauling luggage around. Yeah, get, I, <laughs> I mean, mean hell, in the eye catch of the entire series, she's just hauling luggage around back and forth. That's pretty much. <laughs> it. Yeah, so I was like, I hope this eye catch gets better. I'm like, yeah, well, your hope is denied. <laughs> Oh, crushed because it's the, it doesn't change throughout the whole thing. Um, but yeah, that that was uh, that was kind of weird, and and uh, I I do like her character because I like what they do with her too because she's like Crin where she's she's she of course first she goes to Deloyer to um you know to find him because she's in love with him and all mm-hmm. this but then she finds her own way and she does her own thing and and she also really- starts to see that the life that she was raised up in yeah does not match what's in Deloyer and everything she was told is just not not right exactly and, and again her father and mother are very supportive of her decision um you know she visits her dad when he goes to Deloyer and you know he's just happy that she's safe and that she's um you know doing what she wants to do and and you know um it, you know even even Leturf, I mean he's the same way uh he uh you know, he sees her and he kind of messes with her at the beginning that, you know, she's just some, you know, spoiled, pampered princess from, um, you know, and she is and she is. And she realizes that she is because because even he's like, yeah, you sure you want to go there? These are like this is dangerous and dirty places and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, she finally she finally ends up uh, caring for war orphans. So she's a uh, <laughs> enemy of, which means uh, the general the general would hate her. Yeah, oh, my God. General. So uh, <laughs> I like I like that she strikes on her own path because, you know, she's just chasing Crin like a lovesick puppy at first. But then eventually she becomes a, a battlefield nurse helping all of these wounded fighters. And then after that, you know, she's helping to care for all of these war orphans. And, you know, there's multiple instances where Lotov's like, hey, uh, you know, I might run into Crin. You want to you want to come along? She's like, no, I'm, I need to stay here. And this is what I need to do. Yeah. And in the end, it pays off because her dad decides to like donate lots of money to her uh, war orphan home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's funny because you know in most of these shows she would still continue to join up, or you know she might have joined up with the Fang of the Sun or the Rebellion, but no, she just did her own thing, and uh, that that was uh, that was that was pretty interesting. Uh, sort of the uh, the anti Relina. Yes. Sorry, yes. Amro. It's only <laughs> the only example that comes to mind. It's <laughs> a good example. Uh, <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> um, you know, outside of uh, like we said, the combat, the you know, definitely the points where uh, it does in a lot of ways. I mean, Gundam might have started real robot, but this takes it in a, a very different uh, way and, and and shape there. So um, you know, that's it. It, it was it was kind of interesting to see um, and using the twist at the end of because you're feeling that when you when you watch the show from the beginning you see this rusted out Hulk of the Dugram mm-hmm. you're thinking it's going to be murder fast no one will survive oh and they, boy and they, and they 
with you a couple times with uh, Billy, the, the 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 smaller kid in the Fang of the Sun with the little um, the heart on his chest, little heart <laughs> on his chest. And uh, he goes out and he gets hurt in his leg, and you're like, uh-oh, uh, this is going to be murder fast. They're, they're going to start knocking him down at, at one, one by one. But no, it doesn't happen. He just gets injured. And then, of course, they, uh, you know, Kryn goes, walks off with the Dugram and, and pulls a Hero Yui. But, uh, Without himself inside of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he does the correct hero, Yui. <laughs> I did find, though, that, you know, after such a long story, once we had reached the end, I wanted to see a little bit more of what happened to everyone other than just Kryn going back to back to Earth and seeing his mother. Like, what what did everyone else do? Yeah, yeah. it, it, it I, suffers I, from like what a lot of shows back then suffered from, an abrupt ending. Like, uh, could we have just had a few less, you know, random battles of... You know, Kryn yeah. jumps around in the air and, and blasts um, grunts on the ground. I mean, we could have just cut even in the land. We could have just had a little bit less of that and a little bit more time of, you know, what did everyone do? Did they just go back to being bicycle guys? Did they I mean motorcycle guys? You know, did they settle down on Deloyer doing other things? Did Rocky and, and uh, Canary hook up, which is hinted at throughout the entire series? I mean, it would have been nice to just see a few minutes of that rather mm-hmm. than let's uh, let's go blow up some more round facers. Is, uh, is, and helicopters. Is 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 Nanasi still uh, fascinated by like frogs and stuff, and <laughs> you know all the crazy little things that he did? <laughs> hey, that guy, for all he seemed like like a like a retard and an idiot, he was one of the smartest guys there because he would oh, always God. think unconventional about everything. Yeah. He would always save the day, and he was way more useful than Giorgio ever was. Woo! Yes, sir. But man, the one be- thing I noticed about um, Nanashi is he never. I don't think he ever fired a gun, did he? He would throw grenades and bombs. Mm-hmm. But and he'd bump people on the head with, uh, with logs and do all sorts of things. But yeah, he didn't use a machine gun. <laughs> he didn't use the gun. So, and then, of course, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you'd love to see what those guys did. What about Heckle? Did he go back to the Federation forces? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because he was, a, he, was a, he, was a, he was a turncoat, basically. I mean, he defected. So, yeah, Speaking that would have been nice. Did you guys think it was a little nuts at the in the last episode when after Destin assassinates Lecoq, he's being dragged away? He's literally foaming at the mouth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. Did you have like? Did you have to like add that? Little, that's just a little too silly for what's supposed to be a serious moment. Mm-hmm. Like, could he I just think, been acting like a madman? Yeah. It, it, that. Yeah. That was. But I mean, for the most part, though, you could see that in the end, he just cracked though because it. it it just uh, it just makes sense because of all the crap that he did. I mean, yeah, yeah because he, he saw the opportunity he'd missed if he'd just stuck with the rebels instead but, of losing heart. You know, he could have he could have been where where uh, uh, what's his name Carmel was, and um, instead, you know, he he pretty much lost his opportunity by being from being uh, the scumbag that he was. But <laughs> yeah, but he was he was. I mean, hell, he made he made the best decision of all of his turncoat uh, mm-hmm. double crosses he did, he did the best one by shooting Lecoq. <laughs> yeah, you, you're right. Yeah, and on top of that, he made out pretty well, man. He got, he got, he got, he got paid for he stabbing people bartender. in the back. He got the cute bartender girl. It's like, dude, you, you're living on the farm, man. You got a nice house in the country, bro. You ain't got to do anything else. But yet, you still aspire to be, uh, to be somebody and, you know, you don't, you can't be somebody when uh, you... It's, when I, don't think it's, I don't think it was that. I think mm-hmm. he just had the regret. He saw what, he saw the writing and he just had the regret that he, um, 
that he screwed over the the independence people and and, and Lecoq uh, was just dismissive one too many too uh, dismissive government just one too many times yeah yep. <laughs> yeah because that that His was run out yep pretty much so uh I guess before we close, one brief comment on the compilation movie, which very interestingly, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I skimmed through it. And what's neat about the way they set this up is it's framed like it's a historical documentary that you're watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That like on the History Channel about World War II. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. I, I Neil was telling that's the one thing I didn't get the chance to watch. Um, but Neil was telling me about it and that, you know, they have scenes that are in like black and white archival footage. Yes. And it's like, wow, that's really awesome, man. And the Damn. narrator links everything together so that, you know, because it's covering the same episodes so mm-hmm. the narrator looking everything together links it instead of you know some of these compilations like say 0083 where it's just rough cut after rough cut after rough cut mm-hmm. so it it works very well because if you're watching a documentary of course a narrator's telling you the story as it's happening so exactly. it works very well to link everything together and uh given the realism aesthetic that they go for in this series it fits perfectly that they would choose to do this for their compilation so that's kind of a, a neat thing so uh yeah i thought it our, was i thought it was one of the best compilation type movies that i've seen you know it's because it it because it, of all the things that she said it just it just worked really well and even though even though i saw the show i, I watched the whole thing all the way through and I, I knew it was coming but it was still pretty enjoyable to to, to yeah. see so so uh let's let's do our rating sobro what what do you give dugram dugram i Man, uh, I don't want to steal Neo's line because I, I, we have yet to say the English line in this whole oh. thing. But I'll, 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 I'll let Neo take us home on that one. But um, if I was to uh, give this a rating, which I will, I would give it um, 4.5 uh, little hearts on Billy's shirt out of five. <laughs> All right. I would give this, um, you know, for some slow parts in the middle, some uh, excessive amounts of grunt fighting and uh, mm-hmm. somewhat uh, rushed character ending, I would give this four and a half uh, big E-gun helicopter blasts out of five. There you go. <laughs> and Neo, take us, take us home. I, w- I, w- I will give us, uh, I-, I will also give it four and a half J-lock eye patches out of five. Oh, man, there you go, there you go. Well, well that's not what you were supposed to say. Oh, I give it, what is it? I, I, I always forget how it's, I give it four out of five, not even truth. Not even justice. I want to get truth. I want to get truth. Not, not even justice. I want, I want to, to get, get truth. truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the best English thing ever for a com- for the, you know, the next episode thing. As, as, as much as it... As much as it'll pain you to sometimes watch the previews for the show because it'll give away a lot of spoilers for the next episode, yes. at least watch one or two for the for the, for for that very line. Uh, the narrator for the previews will say, "Not even justice. I want, I want to get, get truth." And it's classic every time he says. <laughs> it's some of the it's some of the best English ever. Mm-hmm. I, I, oh, I have to agree. Get to vibe them. Ooh, it's, man. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they open it a Viper. It's a good old fashioned English too. That's what I'm talking about, man. Damn, we we in for another treat when we watch that. Should probably also throw out as a last mention that aside from the seriousness of the uh, TV show, there is a like sort of cutesy eight minute SD Dugram mm-hmm. video. Did either of you guys watch it? Choto Q Dugram. I actually yes. found it, but it was in Russian. But I found it and I watched it. <laughs> it's on YouTube. You could have found it. On yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I found I found the one I found on YouTube was in, had Russian subtitles, but I watched it regardless, hey, and I, I thought Russia, it was a lot of fun. Mother Russia provides, man. Mother Russia came through. 
does. It's, it's pretty amusing, this whole like race between uh, the Dugram and the Federation and the wind-up Federation mecha and how they have um, Dugram being pulled by a rope. Mm-hmm. By, by the other all of the, members of the All fang. of the SD characters. And, and um, yeah. It was, it was a treat to see everybody rendered in SD and all the all the crazy antics that that brings about, especially uh, especially old uh, Lecoq <laughs> cutting the rope. It's so yep. And then, it, course, it definitely is evocative of '80s SD Gundam because obviously it's you know yeah. Sunrise, the same same people probably doing the exact same stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> and of course uh, the the other little short with uh, Dugram versus Roundfacer, where in it's space. just in space, yeah, which is. Really cool because if you want to see a way that the Dugram is just looks just amazing, not only because it's in really good um, animation, mm-hmm. but it's just you know it, it. This is where the Dugram looks just you're like wow, that's awesome. a pretty cool looking suit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even and, and it has some so verniers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, then, and then they place it in the, and they place it in a in an area where you, you don't even see the whole time space. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that that was pretty interesting. So. I don't even yes. know that it can go into space, but who cares? It looks cool. Yeah, well, whatever. Indeed it did. So check out Dugram if you have not seen it. It's available through Methods since mm-hmm. it has not uh, been released. However, it was on one of the uh, voting rounds for Daisuke. So once that's all complete, who knows? We might see uh, legal streaming for Dugram in the future. Probably very slim chance, though. But if it does get through, please, if you're in North America... Do support it on Daisuke and watch it there so they know people want to see these types of quality old robot shows. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, w- I would say that that would be a welcome show to see on their roster if, uh, if it ever gets voted in. I'd watch it again if it popped up on there. Hell yeah. yes. Oh, definitely. I voted for it. <laughs> I voted for it too, yeah. Nice. Nice. So with that, we're going to wrap up this segment and be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Podcasting is king. You are listening to Gundam at MAHQ. I can't believe Game and Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd-ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop in Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning.
in a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is not that podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Damn! Good kick, Lee. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Rounds Out, episode 125. And in this extended segment, and man, was it extended, we wrapped a plenty about Fang of the Sun Dugram, a uh, mecha anime series from 1981, uh, directed by Ryosuke Takahashi, who you guys know, of course, for Voltomes. Um, we were going to have a second segment this episode, but um, because of time constraints, we're pushing that up to episode 126, and it was going to be an extended mailbag segment, where we go into a lot of the voicemails and a lot of the messages that have been building up over the last couple of months. But uh, we're going to do that next episode, guys. So brace yourselves and uh, ready your, your questions will finally be answered. After uh, after all this time, Just crush the hopes and dreams. Hey man, I, I guess of if all anybody, those people, if anybody had to crush some hopes and dreams, it might as well be me. Wow, this is, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on here. Is, oh, is, man. is the apocalypse back on now? It, <laughs> I, I thought I, I thought I would steal that from Chris because I know he savors those moments. I do. <laughs> but um, any last things you guys wanted uh, to talk about before we uh, we break out of here tonight? Yes. I have oh, one thing to say. Yes, yes, go for it, man. Uh, Baby Dragons concludes tonight. Mm-hmm. Next week, the newsroom goes back on. Oh, no, no one support that freaking show. <laughs> don't, don't support it, please. If there's ever a point where I could, I'd even do an online petition. Please get, don't support it. Damn, I guess it'd just be me and Lee Majors. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> The next time I see someone talk about how uh, the newsroom is the example of how real journalism should be done, blah, 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 I will beat you stupid. <laughs> you want real journalism? Watch, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, season, the Wire. Season five, five of, the, uh, of The Wire? Yeah. No one's good looking. They're, they're all fat. They eat. They bitch and complain all the time. Mm-hmm. They smoke constantly. And uh, yes, I mean. And people lie and cheat. Yes, we have to we have to put an end to this. Oh. Hell, if you want real journalism that's 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 real in the newsroom, watch Lurtoff in uh in Dugram. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Lurtoff is a better journalist than uh than Will McAvoy? Will McAvoy. Oh, oh my life is so miserable. I can't forgive my ex-girlfriend for cheating on me and oh. oh my god. Um but yeah, oh, wait, liberal can't wait fan. For... Oh, and then let's not even go into Dr. Professor, Olivia Pro- Munn. Professor Munn. <laughs> the, oh, the, econom- economics. the economical uh, uh, expert. I, I know that makes Paul. I know that makes Neo's stomach turn. <laughs> it's not even that. It's just the how, just the way it is, and it's like, oh, why, why does she have a career? Oh, you sleep. You sleep with the right people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
No, I mean, you're right. But <laughs> yes. No one. No one. Shout out to Brett Ratner. No <laughs> uh, and his shrimp. No <laughs> one needs to support that, please. Don't support that crap. Because I'm, I'm boycotting HBO on Sunday nights at this point. Oh, man. <laughs> For the next couple weeks. I'm not even going to mess up and, and even just try to go on there. Yeah, folks, don't, don't be the Solbro of HBO. Oh, yes, Solbro's already tuning in for, uh, for, for True Blood, so, you know, I might as well stick around for some McAvoy. I'm already there. I've already done the damage, so what can I do? But uh, hey, hey. you now refer to yourself in the third person? Yeah, he, he does. He does. <laughs> Neil, you, you wanted to bring up. Uh, are you going no, to bring up? Oh, for now, huh? Okay, no, no problem, no problem about that. I thought there might be a, another little surprise, but maybe you'll save that for next episode. Uh, people, no, people go on the forum. Mm-hmm. People go on the forum and uh, and and Just keep and an eye on the forum. Keep it on the forum. You might see a, a special thread pop up for an event in July. That's all I'll say. Well, but, thanks uh, for freaking spoiling everything. Hey, man, I didn't say anything else besides that. I just want to... I want to event. Hey, I just want them <laughs> to keep looking. Mystery, son. You know, <laughs> know nothing about how to tease the audience. You just say, just go to the forum. Just I know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anything else, you guys, before we wrap this up? No. Oh, well, damn. Judging from that silence, <laughs> y'all got plenty to say. But um, definitely check out these websites when you have time. Head on over where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. That's the Mecca and Anime Headquarters. Also, make sure you visit Gundam.net, the official website for the Gundam at MAHQ Podcast, and where you can download and find information on this episode and our entire back catalog. Join in on the conversation at MechaTalk.net. Net, where you can also find official forums for Gundam, where you can submit questions, topics, and reply to anything that we said in this episode. All other links for Gundam at MAHQ can be found at about.me slash Gundam. There you will find links to us on iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and our other media facets. After listening to Gundam, the next podcast you should be listening to is Chaos Theater, MAHQ's other podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom, hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ himself, Chris Guanche, and everybody's favorite pedal bear of the South, Pedro Cortez. Listen to them at chaostheater.blogspot.com. Shinjuku Station also has a podcast that focuses on fighting games called Fighters Ready, hosted by Gundam's own Solro Ryu and his co-host Nick the Stampede. Fight your way on over to FightersReady.net, where you can download episodes and join in on the conversation. And that's the end of episode 125 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. In addition to creating an amazing library of new titles on PlayStation 4, we're equally focused on delivering what gamers want most, without imposing restrictions or devaluing their PS4 purchases. For instance, PlayStation 4 won't impose any new restrictions on the use of PS4 games. that's a good thing. <laughs> we believe in the model that people embrace today with PlayStation 3 and continue to demand. Just heard you there. When a gamer buys a PS4 disc, they have the rights to use that copy of the game. 
They can trade in the game at retail, sell it to another person, lend it to a friend, or keep it forever. In addition, PlayStation 4 disc-based games don't need to be connected online to play. Or for any type of authentication. If you enjoy playing single-player games offline, PS4 won't require you to check in online periodically. And it won't stop working if you haven't authenticated within 24 hours. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Fortunately, we have a product for people who aren't able to get some form of connectivity. It's called Xbox 360. Right. So stick with 360. That's your message. If you don't, well, you don't it, like it. If, if you have zero access yeah. to the internet, that is an offline <laughs> device.